In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Oh, hello. Welcome to Ruined, everyone. Hi. Uh, I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And you guys know that. (laughs) And that's why you're here. Thank you for joining us. For uh, They're all very special, but a a particularly special episode of um, Ruined Live. Yes. Um, Ruined Live. I like it. Sabrina, our producer, is already sending us your chat. So again, remember, we are in a delay. Yes. But uh, Molly said, uh, hi, everyone. I've never been more ready to hear Hallie's Esther impression again. And boy, it's even worse than it was last time. I share Molly's enthusiasm for this. (laughs) It's really exciting. Anytime that you have to do a voice, I'm thrilled. (laughs) It's the same voice. It's like a little cartoon mouse with a chef's hat on. I I don't know. It's not any human's voice. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. Allison, how are you doing? Um, I'm fine. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's it. I got nothing. My show ended, so I'm just kind of uh, getting back into society again. It's very exciting. Congratulations. I had the yeah, best I- tries of my life last night. Where do you have them? There's a new place in um, Carroll Gardens, New Yorkers, Brooklyners go, uh, called Ruthie's. Okay. And they were triple fried. And then one of the times they were fried, they were fried in beef tallow. They're oh. so good. And they stayed hot, like, the whole time we were eating them. Like, every time we went and picked up a fry, we were like, it's still hot. <laughs> I do think it's one of those things where people were like, wow, this is so delicious. Why is it so good? It's like, there's a full stick of butter in there. Yeah, it's always going to, like, <laughs> the answer is never going to be, like, kale. Like, <laughs> Right. It's, it's always going to be decadence. true Salt decadence. And fat. But they were incredible. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing good. Um, I, I mistakenly took a 20 minute nap before we started this, and Ooh, so. so I'm so I have like that, but it's good because it's giving me energy. It's like that coming out of a the middle of the night. You're a sound energy, you know. Yes. Oh, great, great energy for the pod. <laughs> um, speaking of coming out of a, a deep sleep into terror, um, we of course are doing orphan first kill. I mean, we've waited long enough, hadn't we? We really had to do it. Well, we had to find out about the first kill, ladies and gentlemen, and finally they are giving us. Um, the answer, uh, Orphan, of course, we've done it for the pod, came out in 2009. So, you know, they weren't really speeding through. Uh, see, uh, it wasn't really a prequel, so, but we were very excited they got there. Yes. And uh, we hope everyone is enjoying their drink, the Dirty Shirley. Yes. You know, we got a, we're so, I'm too old. To, I realized how to drink a soda-based, um, yeah. something that is super sweet as the cocktail. Yes, we are not. You know, we chose this drink and uh, cocktail and mocktail combo because, like, it thematically really works for this movie. But um, it's not something that either of us wanted to drink. So. Well, you know, allegedly, in case anyone, oh, is another no, isn't oh, it tapped in? You know, um, apparently, the Dirty Shirley. I think it was the New York Times wrote it up that was like, oh, the Dirty Shirley is like, you know, the new Aperol Spritz or whatever. Yeah, they said it was like the drink of the su- the summer. And it makes sense because it's like, okay, you know, we're playing with the idea of the Shirley Temple and the Dirty Shirley is simply a uh, uh, 
Shirley Temple with vodka in it. Right. Um, the, the flaw, of course, is that you can't drink more than one, no. right? No, no. It's so sweet. Way too sweet. But we um, hope you guys are enjoying it. Listen, I'm drinking it. It is yeah. fueling me with the energy that I, I yeah. need to um, yeah. get through. So normally, just so everyone knows, gets to peek behind the veil, I usually have, like, I'm going to say six or seven pages of notes. I'm going to say I have 12 pages of notes about this movie. Okay. So A lot should... of them are questions about oh, okay. what's going on. And Allison, at the end, of course, we're going to have Allison. I'm going to pose those questions to her. Good. And hope she can figure out some questions for us. Um and then, of course, uh, the question of always, is there a drinking game? And you know what, guys? I, for once in my horrible, miserable life, I actually thought about this question before we started. Wow. And the drinking game is when the movie, and I'll, of course, tell you, when the movie specifically references something from Orphan, from oh. the original film, they will drink. Sorry. Because there's a lot of, um, I guess, fan service. I sure. and then they assumed that it's like, but how did she? What is that from? You know, and this movie's like methodically explaining everything to you. And so of course, I will flag that, and we say, oh, I remember that from the original Orphan. Then we will all take a drink. Yes. And um, yeah, so let us get I started. Think we just get into it. If you've got twelve Let's pages of notes, it. I know I, that, that's what I was saying. I, I, we got to get into it. We got to get into it. We got to start. So of course, we always like to have Allison watch the trailer. What are your thoughts? Fun to see black light art getting uh, its roses or flowers or whatever. Um, it's uh, it's cool. It's, it's cool. cool as hell. Now I want to be clear. It doesn't make it. It barely makes sense in this movie. It certainly didn't make sense in the original Orphan. But I think it's cool. That being said, I don't know if it's like cool for like a normal person's house. I think it's more cool no. if you're in a horror movie. Then yes. it's like, oh, of course your house yeah. is full and of black like, light art. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That, you know, yeah. Drug dealers and horror movies. That's kind of the only places that black light art really has a home. Um, uh, Rachel says, drink every time somebody says daddy. Rachel, only if you're not going to be leaving the house and not operating heavy <laughs> machinery. Okay. Because <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, Daddy's come up quite a bit in the film, and uh, oh, daddy, yeah, I like. So I, I, I know we're gonna get into this, but like, is she a child? In this, yes. <laughs> no, no, right. Let's set it up. So, okay, so this is directed by William Brent Bell, who you may know, Allison, from the films The Boy and Rob's Colon The Boy Too. Okay, oh, my favorite auteur. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it is. Yeah, exactly. You're a ruined favorite. And it's written by David Cogshall, who wrote on the MTV Scream TV series, which I did not see, among other projects. But I, I am intrigued. And it is starring the same actress that starring the original yes, Orphan. That I know. And I'm uh, as Isabel Furman. And of course, as we discussed during that episode of the pod, um, she filmed that film when she was actually 12. So she is essentially playing a child, playing a slightly younger child, really, who is an actually an adult woman. Now... Isabel Furman okay. is an adult woman playing right. a younger version of a that herself. adult woman yes. who is playing <laughs> a younger version of the child. I don't think that my brain can handle this kind of casting. And I'm going to say it now. And what I think is like, I'm sure they had so many meetings of like, what are we going to do to make her look younger? Are yeah. we going to CG? Are we going to do the Irishman? Are we going right. to CGI yes. face? And it seems like what they've chosen is we will do nothing to make her appear younger in the face. Yeah. And we will shoot her to be shorter in the kind of forced perspective they used in Lord of the Rings. Yes. And uh, we're we're going to post, we got um, a photo that a wonderful fan, Tanya, sent us where it is Isabel Furman in regular clothes and then her, the immediate family, the cast members, are wearing yeah. gigantic David Bowie insane platform boots to yes. create from a distance the the idea that they're much taller than her. 
I mean, that's it. acting boot camp. Play a mother, play a mother taller. And also, you got to think, those are the boots that Tom Cruise is wearing in every movie Oh, I was anyway. going to say, I mean, that's what he's wearing to do everything. All yeah. of his stunts are being done in a six-inch platform, I assume. You just have to learn, to, if you're an actor working today, you just have to be in constantly in platform boots. <laughs> um, and so we always like to take a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of someone's first kill? Oh, uh, very. Elaborate. <laughs> Uh-huh. How scary, uh-huh. how scary do you find the first kill uh, compared to, say, a second kill or even a third kill? How do we feel about I think first is scarier. Okay. Because it's the, it's the changing of somebody. I think, you know, once you've killed somebody, you're different. And this is that person becoming a murderer. And you're saying, you're saying once somebody changes, you just, you pedal to the metal. You know what I mean? That yeah, is like, you just go on a kill, keep kill, I assume. Yeah. Well, yeah. that kind of does seem to be the case for her, for Esther. If I could, so. if I could guess. <laughs> Um, and I guess it's sort of like this movie does play on the idea of like, so we have, of course, Orphan. We already know. We know that um, right. Esther infiltrated this family, had a little thing for the daddies. And of course, we saw the destruction it wrought. This is suggests like this is setting up that that's her pattern. How do you feel about someone who is like a grifter or a con artist in that way where it's like, this is their life. Like they've chosen to put on a totally new persona to commit crime. How do you feel about that kind of thing? Well, that's terrifying because, like, mm-hmm. that those people can be moving through the world. Like, yes. you know what I'm, like, just, reg- like, feigning normalcy and then um, becoming somebody else. I don't know. It's very scary. Like, yes. as somebody who, like, can't act and, like, has one speed and it's like, whatever my personality is, this is it. Like it's not, cha- it's also like the older I get, the more it's just getting cemented in. Like there are no changes that are happening anymore. But yeah. Like, it um, does. It, it boggles yeah. my mind. It does say like when, when pe- people talk about like sociopathy, I do feel like that must be a big part of it. It's like, if you're a sociopath or you're just someone for whom your personality is just a reflection of what's going on. Like you don't have like a central driving, like I want to be moral or whatever. Um, it's just, uh, you're just in survival mode. So it's not as exhausting. Like when you, right. like you say, right. like, yeah, I'd be so tired pretending the whole time. I wouldn't oh be able God. to pull it off. I can barely get through a party where I have to be like, this is nice. Like, you know, I'm sitting down and talking to you and I'm like, this is too much. So I put too this much of so tiring. <laughs> um, we also like to have Allison, uh, guess the twist. And before we uh, also, we'd love the chat for you to guess the twist. Yeah. Allison, I am extremely excited to announce that this is a movie with a proper twist that I did not see coming. And oh, maybe shit. I should have now. But when it hits, I was like, oh, yes. Because oh, wow. I feel like the trailer makes it look very straightforward. Like, it's kind yeah. of just the same plot. Right, I was going to say, like, we mm. already know. Right. Yeah, you're kind of like. Not a child. Yes, I'll so. enjoy it. I'll watch the journey. Sure, but sure. where is it? And let me tell you, there's a proper twist. Ooh. And I, I would like you to guess it now. Please guess the twist in Orphan First Kill. Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that the mother, Julia Stiles. Mm-hmm. Fabulous in this film. I mean, perfect. I, I, I like her in horror. I think that this is yes. like a move she should, that, like she has such a worried face. Yes. Yeah. Um, that maybe, no, maybe the dad killed the original child. Okay. Great. Their 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 child who is I guess missing, great, and then comes back as Esther. Um, 
Maddie said Esther really is Julia Stiles' daughter. I like that a lot. That's a I really like that fun a twist. That's a really fun. Like that would be fun. And there, that I will say, fun. there was watching this where I thought there was going to be another twist. Like there, we get the twist, and then I thought there was going to be something, another one, and they didn't do it. And I get, I get it. You know how many twists do you need? But um, yeah, they could have, they could have done two. I'll be, I'll be absolutely honest. Uh, but I, I like where your mind's headed. I, I think okay. we it definitely has to be some sort of level of uh, uh, perversion. Natalie, of course, Julia killed the real kid. Yeah, that's a good guess. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. Natalie, the ribbon around her neck is holding on her head. Oh, my God. Yes, I re- obviously. I remember reading that, getting that like a book of scary stories, scary stories from the library and having the one with the green ribbon around her neck. And the terror of... Having at the end, of course, her head falls off. Spoiler alert, her head falls off when you take the yeah. ribbon off. And I re- I must have been five or six, so I was just old enough where I'm like, I don't think that that's real. Yes. But I don't know. But I don't know. But so I, I don't know. So I hid it in my parents' house, and I think they ended up having to pay for the book because I was too afraid that I hid it, and I was like, I don't know where it is. I can't. Yeah. It, it's in the house. I can't look at it again. Very distinct memories of of reading that story myself and being terrified. Yeah, because it is it's like a fairy tale where it's like it's it's yes. like nightmare logic where yes. you're like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like a ribbon can't hold your head on. <laughs> right. Like, if physics were different, maybe right. this would make sure. Sense. Um uh thank you for your guesses, Allison. I'm I'm very excited to share oh, with I can't you. Wait to get to the twist. And um, so let us begin. And again, remember the drinking game, but of course I'll flag things as we get into it. This movie is one hour and 38 minutes long. The correct length for yes, a horror yes, movie. Yes, They've done yes. it. And I we open it. in a beautiful, snowy, Estonian mountainside. It's 2007, so it's two years before the events of Orphan. So okay. we're two years earlier. And we follow a car driving down a beautiful, snowy road. I'm sure they shot it in Colorado, you know. Yeah. And of course, we arrive at at the Sarn Institute, which of course is the mental health facility where, at the end of Orphan, we realize Esther originated. So okay. you know, go ahead and take a sip. That counts. We're right here at the Sarn Institute. We're getting things started, and we see a woman park and sort of trepidatiously walk up the front steps. This woman is Anna. She is the new art therapy instructor. Okay. And she sort of slaps on a smile. And this is like, it's 2007. So like, and she's doing art therapy. She's a modern woman. The Sarn Institute is sort of like a medieval, like like it is like people getting strapped down. Like it is yeah. from a different era yeah. in a funny way where it's like, this woman clearly just got her master's and is like getting her right. hours or whatever and has to then deal with Esther. Like at her first job. God, you go into art therapy and you end up with like a murderous <laughs> child adult. I mean- I mean, and I guess, you know, yeah, they can only prepare you so much. You really have to learn on the job, like so many jobs, I imagine. True, true, true. And she, as she walks in, she gets patted down by security. This is like high-tech, high-security mental health facility. And she kind of gets mean-mugged by this one woman who's mopping the floor, like menacingly. That woman is a patient. We will see her again in a minute. And patients have to do, like, janitorial work? I know. It's like you're already being held against your will at a facility. You I mean, I'm sure you're a custodian. I'm sure chores? you do, though. I mean, I, I'm sure I there's imagine. plenty of places that absolutely yeah. force you to do this kind of thing. Um, she meets with the head doctor, and he literally gives her about 15 seconds. Like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, we've been looking for someone, so we're so glad that you, you know, were able to join us. All your credentials are great. Literally, an orderly runs up in a screaming panic, Allison. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> Lena has gone missing. She's not in her room. And, of course, to remind us, Esther's actual name is Lena Clammer. Oh, okay. 
which again, we learn when they finally like fax over the documents at the end of Orphan, like when someone finally can speak English and everyone in this movie speaks English, but in that one, they only had one person. And so I'm going to be calling uh, her Lena until she assumes Esther's identity, which is pretty fast. So I'll just call her Lena and then we'll switch over. Got it. Um, And so the head doctor said, everyone lock the fucking facility down and everyone is panicking. They're like throwing patients back in the room to make sure they're all accounted for because Lena is loose in the building, Allison. Okay, wow. And also, Lena, I don't know if we, like, is she an adult or a child? She's an adult. So in the first movie, she is uh, an orphan, rather, um, which comes after this film. She is 31. So ostensibly, she's 29. So she is an adult woman. Okay. An adult uh, she's a small in stature, uh, big in terms of her sociopathic need yes. for uh, control and to to create uh, daddy-related scenarios. Yes. Um, you know, we've all been there. And so uh, everyone's sort of like red lights are flashing, like alarms are going off. And uh, unfortunately, Anna's like, who's Lita? They're like, we don't have time to get into this. Just get into the art <laughs> therapy room. The head doctor locks her into the art therapy room and tells her Lena is our most dangerous patient. And she's the reason there's an, op- an opening for an art therapy director to begin with. So Uh-oh. you have to stay here and do not leave. You'll be safe here. Allison, I don't need to tell you. She turns around and there is a very short lady working on a drawing. We know, of course, from the other movie, Lita's incredibly talented yes. as an yes. artist. Yes. And But in sort of the, 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 the darkness of the flashing lights, Anna's like, oh, is this a child? And she said, oh, does your, do your mom and dad work here? And, and Lena looks up and said, why would you, why would you think that? Mm. And Anna walks over and uh, she sees that Lena has done this incredible pencil drawing of her like in the seconds that she's been standing there. She's like, oh, this is incredible. What she doesn't see is Lena has put a sharpened pencil into her sleeve. So when Lena stands up, she's sort of advancing on Anna. Yes. And Lena said, why would with you a think... Weapon. With a weapon. And she's like, well, why would you think that my mom and dad were here? He's like, well, because you're... And Lena says, because I'm what? And luckily, the head doctor bursts in with some orderlies. They drag Lena back to her cell. And again, oh, it's boy. shot oh, in boy. such a way where it's just... It's... um, It is comical. Every yeah. different shot, she's like slightly different. Like, they're piecing it together as best they can. <laughs> I've never shot a film. I can't begrudge them. For, no. You know, sometimes no, no. she's five, you should she's three. You know, she's all in there, you know. You're trying to shoot an adult for a child. I mean, that's complicated. And Anna, as the head doctor, like, why didn't you tell me she's a child? And this is a minute, a moment in the movie where I feel like people had to, like, have to have the concept of, like, a little person explained to them or, like, dwarfism. Where I'm like, it's 2007. Like, the idea of, like, that's not a child. It's like, well, she's a face of an adult woman. She's just yeah. very, she's, and, they, and he tells her, like, she has proportional dwarfism. She looks like a small adult woman. And that's never going to change in this movie. She's going to have details. Yeah. She's going to look 35. That's yeah. fine, you know? Yeah. But Anna is, of course, scandalized. And it's good. I don't know what they told you in your art therapy program. But, like, yeah, I don't know if they cover yeah. that, it, you know, in a master's program. And luckily the head doctor is at least giving Anna, like, she may look like a child to you, but do not treat it like one. Lena uses her affliction as much as she suffers from it. She is a exceptional con artist. You know, and Anna's, like, real, already really sympathetic, which, of course, is the death knell, if you know uh, Lena. She's like, wow, imagine going through your life as an adult woman and everyone sees you as a child. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's no, not no. what we're talking about. And Allison, you might be asking, wait, so if this movie's about her first kill, why is she in the Institute yes. already? Yes, right. It's, yeah. 
so then he explains a couple of years ago, uh, Lena ingratiated herself into a family and um, basically did this, what she always does. She normally would ingratiate herself into a family, um, rob them, and then bail. And this time, Allison, there was a handsome daddy involved. Daddy. And paging all daddies to the dance floor for the evening's first kill. Um, unfortunately, she became obsessed with the daddy. And um, he sort of plays coy. Like, he doesn't, like, tell, say exactly what happened. And he's like, well, let's just say, Lena lives here now. And then we see a flash of crime scene photos of a huge amount of blood. So I guess we're to assume she didn't kill them. But she did something horrific and assaulted someone? Because I saw that. I was like, well, so that was her first kill. Right. But he didn't die? Maybe. So maybe the first daddy didn't die. All right. First daddy didn't die. It was at least her first, like, horrible disfigurement or assault, you know? So, uh, of course, after this happened, then uh, Anna has to teach art therapy, you know? So they're sort of doing a free period where people are, you know, constantly, you know, drawing or whatever. They're not working. (laughs) Yeah, when they're not mopping. And uh, Lena gives her uh, a signal to the patient with the mop. And on Lena's signal, the patient who had the mop earlier lunges at the orderly to try to create chaos. And she's sort of under Lena's control. And I was like, that's a really interesting concept that she's so manipulative that she can control people. And yes. don't worry, guys, that's never going to come up again in the film. It's because oh. I was like, oh, later she's going to be doing something crazy. No, I, it, just it's just one, not going to happen. Yeah, she just did it once. And then right. after the this other patient does her bidding, Lena sort of uh, flicks her a little piece of candy because she has her trained sort of like a dog. The whole sure. situation is really bad. I guess. <laughs> um, Anna is, of course, horrified. And uh, Esther finally calls off the other patients. She does, she does that sometimes. Back in her room, Lena watches. And in the namesake of our drink, which, honest to God, I suggest we do this. Or we, uh, I think, Anna, uh, Alice, you suggest we do this drink. Yes. There is a clip of a Shirley Temple movie in the movie. Oh. I didn't even realize it until I watched it again. Did uh, not know that. It is Obviously. a scene from the 1938 film Poor Little Rich Girl in which she tells the character who is her daddy, you're inside my heart. And apparently at some point, there's a musical number where she sings, um, basically, why don't you get married to me, daddy? So we're setting up. This is Lena's, you know, she's already there. After this first daddy, that's all she wants to um, consume is daddy media. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of daddy media, but it seems pretty limiting. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately for the world, but fortunately for Lena, there is a security guard named Dimitri who clearly has like a crush on her and he's sort of like oogling her through the security cameras and then through like the little window on her door. We also see her Bible, which if you recall was eventually Vera Fumiga finds the Bible at the end of Orphan. Oh, right. And then she finds, oh, Sarn Institute printed on it. So we see the Bible okay. and, uh, we're going to take a drink because we brought up the Bible. Helen, I'm going to ask you. You've got to. Are, when are we going to get the accent? Um, I, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, um, Lena doesn't do a ton of talking, so eventually, when we arrive, when she becomes I Esther, I am absolutely okay. fine to start doing it. Uh, she's sort of a, a strong silent type at the beginning of this movie before she gets to where she's most comfortable, which is, of course, in the care of a daddy. Um, but we also, the movie also answers, where did she get all of those beautiful wardrobe of old fashioned velvet and wool, wool dresses? Yes. Dimitri, the orderly has been ordering them for her sort of as like tokens of his affection. 
So he delivers right. it. I know exactly. And she pulls a new dress from a box and she whirls around and he sort of like gasps in happiness, like looking at her through the window. The whole thing's bad. That's awful. <laughs> and she goes through the door and says, she's like, you know, I can't get these off or I need your help get putting these back on and has him put on those little wrist ribbons. Because if you recall, she wears the wrist ribbons to cover yes. up these scars from struggling against her restraints, which she also has now. And Dimitri yes. is happy to oblige. And Lena tells him, I'd like to do something for you. So come in. Allison, they have... No, I'm kidding. I was going to say they have a fairly long graphic sex scene, but it's not even funny. It's it's gross. <laughs> but she does drag a chair over so she can kiss Dimitri against the wall. All while Shirley Temple's, like, calling for her daddy in the background. Okay. But unfortunately, it's not love that's on Lena's brain. It's Dimitri's security pass. And the yes. second he leans in to kiss her, she grabs his head and just slams it repeatedly in the wall until he dies. <sighs> and then she takes his key card. So he already Aren't has your cameras on her. Like, I mean, especially knowing that she already escaped once in the day and then was like lose yeah. the facility. I right. don't. Why is it there just? I mean, I guess like a security guard is like on her, but like do better. I think like to have two security guards manning Lena seems totally reasonable. So if yes. one of them falls in love with her, the other one somebody can else in. has yeah. a head on their shoulders to figure things out. Yes, and yes, I, I completely agree. She she already has her backpack, so she snatches his key card. She has her backpack, and she sort of starts sneaking down, and she makes it all the way to the front door. But of course, there's a security guard who stops her. It's like, what the fuck are you trying to do? And she laughs, and she turns to the patient who's still mopping the floor, and she says, "You want some candy?" And in in that moment, her friend lunges at the security guard and then just starts brutalizing him with his own nightstick, just beating this man to death. Jesus. So Lena runs into like the security guard office, shuts off all the security cameras because she knows how to do that, flicks a piece of candy at the patient with the mop, and then buzzes herself out of the building. Meanwhile, oh we see Anna has headed to her car and the snowstorm is starting to sweep in. And she's completely, she's unaware that any of this has just happened because she's just left the building. And as she turns out her windshield wipers, she looks up and she sees a blood splattered Lena putting a finger to her lips saying, shh. Which, if someone does that to you, if they're covered in blood and they go, shh, don't I'm do shut, it. I'm shutting up. No, Allison, you gotta tell everybody. You can't be just, oh, okay. I sure. mean, in front of, like, like, I'm not, I'm gonna be quiet until they leave. I just, I'm terrified of them. They're guess, covered in blood. Yeah, I guess you got to roll the dice that they're going to leave. Uh, to me, I'm immediately yeah. screaming. And if that's oh, my yeah. end, I mean, that's on that's yeah. me. Also, Mel said, uh, drink every time she has a first kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we got definitely two a lot so of first far. kills. Um, and I guess it's like, we don't know if these people are dead. Like, it's, right. I, I believe right. that they are. I know they for sure dead. later, she absolutely kills some people. Okay. I guess I can't prove that Dimitri's dead, but boy, his head doesn't look like it's alive. So I don't know. How can you live without your head being alive? Probably Again, not. I'm not a doctor. Um, Anna bolts back into the building and the head doctor is like, fuck, Lita cut out the security feed. So like all our security measures are fucked. Like there's nothing we can do. And he's like, I'm really sorry. Uh, not quite the first day we had hoped for. It's like, yeah, of course, dude. And Anna says, this job is not for me. No. And it's like that doctor's like, yeah, what can I say? Yeah, I can't blame you. It's not for anything. <laughs> I, I mean, unless they want to get murdered, unless they want to fall in love with uh, Lena. So Anna drives back to the city, looks gorgeous. I don't know anything about Estonia, but looks fabulous. Goes to parks outside of her flat. And when she goes to open the door, she has it open and her car trunk just sort of opens of its own accord. And she goes over to close it, assuming maybe she hit the little key fob. No one's there. 
Of course, she closes it, goes into her own door, looks up, and standing there on the stairs, it's Lena with a crowbar and just starts bashing Anna's heads in. There's a headed, there's a lot of head bashing in this film. That's a tough first day. And so, of course, you might have thought, ah, Anna's going to be our in. She's going to help solve it. No, Anna Anna's not going to be going anywhere, do anything now. She's at the wow. bottom of the stairs, so she's going to be there for quite a while. Dead in Act One. And then Lena, she gets to work. She literally opens a bottle of wine, plays a piano. Everyone in this movie owns a piano, which is fabulous. Yes, I noticed there was a lot of piano, and I'm just jealous, really. Right. Anna is a art therapy, an art therapist who just started a job, and she already has a piano. So good for her. I mean, I feel bad they get you because she's been murdered, but... Um, Lena then goes searching through the mission, missing children's database for a girl that she looks close enough like to trick a grieving family. Jesus Christ. And she finds one, a little girl missing since 2003. So it's been four years. So it's four years later from a All little right. town in Connecticut. And that girl's name is Esther. So going uh, forward, she is Esther. And I will really, I will try to do the voice. I Even as I like attempted it, I just feel humiliated. Okay. Now um, I see. Esther. And as she goes to leave the apartment to head out to, like, put this ruse on, she, like, does, gives herself pigtails. She changes into one of her dresses. She kind of, like, dolls herself up to be, look a little bit younger. She doesn't. She just looks like an adult woman. <laughs> Unfortunately, as she's leaving, she finds Anna at the end, bottom of the stairs, and she's not dead yet. Oh, boy. And, Anna. of course, she's, like, gagging, like, like pleading with her. And Esther just picks up the crowbar again and just starts beating her to death again. Cut to... <sighs> Esther on a swing as a cop spots her and is like, what are you doing out? It's freezing here, you know? And assuming that she's a kid and asks where her family is, and she says, they're from America. But not just America. She has picked a girl who's from Derry in Connecticut, which if you know anything about the East Coast, very she-she, rich people who live there and commute into New York a lot of the times. And that's the family that she was a part of. So I'm assuming, they didn't say specifically that's why how she could have known that, but We've got our parents, Trisha and Alan Albright, um, who is are played by the wonderful Julia Stiles. Again, much like in a um, Katie Holmes type of way. Yes. A worried face. Aghast. Well, who will believe me? Stricken. She's um, very stricken. And then the husband, Alan, who's fabulous and has a very like Hamish Linklater type of like mumbly yeah. beard uh, dad vibe, is Rosef Sutherland, who is a son of Donald Sutherland that I didn't know existed. Oh. So it's kind of fun. That's fun. And they're watching their 17-year-old son, Gunner, as he fences. And he wins his fencing match. My God. And these are like rich, rich, like, I mean, like the best schools. You said fencing, so I think we got it. (laughs) Um, To be fair, I did do fencing. It was available at like, we have like a community, like arts center. So I did do fencing and it was fun. I I, I didn't take it anywhere, but it it was. Sure. And where can you really take it? Yeah. I guess the Olympics, but the I Olympics. wasn't. I wasn't going there. Um, so to celebrate, Alan is like, "Oh, let's go get dinner together. We're so proud of you." But Gunner says, "You know, I've already kind of made plans with, with my friends, and this is sort of a you know, we're seeing Alan. Uh, he's just not in a good place, and he's getting even worse, knowing that his son's about to like leave for college. You know, in a year or yes. two, and he's like, he doesn't want to spend any time with us. And Trisha's like, you know, he's a kid. He deserves to like blow off steam. He works so hard. He's great at school and and fencing." You know, and she could sort of see Alan start to shut down. And Trisha says, I'm asking you, please not to shut down. I know you do this. I want, I need you to be present. Like, Gunner needs you. He's like, I'm sorry, I, I, was I not there? Right. And and she calls out what is the, the basis, I'm assuming, all of their fights now. She says to him, Alan, Esther is not coming back. 
And even if that's true, it's like, well, don't bring that up in the middle of every fight. You know what I mean? I like, mean, God. Like, he, he, I'm assuming he knows right. that, you know? Yes. I would hope that he knows that. Allison, just as she says that, yes. Allison sort of looks past her and we see Inspector Donnan, who is the detective who's been working on their daughter's disappearance for the last four years, along with the cop, Officer Leahy. And they've arrived with some news, Allison. Esther has been found. Cut to Moscow. Also, like, to be right. having that argument and then it results. Yeah. Like, just, like, pretty perfect. Well, it's like, wow, you kind of feel like an idiot right now, don't you? Alan stays at home with Gunner. Trisha goes to Moscow to what I presume is the American embassy and what I presume is a pre... There were with Ukraine. Because I don't know... I was like, why wouldn't they they go to the American embassy in Estonia? But I don't know enough about it. I don't know anything about international anything. And they meet with a woman who I, I wrote down as an attache and they looked it up and it is an attache because an attache is someone who helps an ambassador. So oh, I, I, I didn't sure. even know that what, what that meant. I kind of don't know what either of those jobs are. Um, it's, uh, I think just being real helpful and uh, carrying around an attache case. Yeah, I assume it's suitcase based. I will say there are a lot of characters in this movie who are not introduced with the names and then it's hard to look up what their names are. So the attache, she's very sure. helpful. She's in one scene. So apparently this woman's like, you know, um, somebody, we had a doctor speak to Esther and she said that a woman kidnapped her and brought her to Russia and was raising her as um, her own daughter until Esther was able to escape. And it's like, okay, I don't know. It doesn't seem very plausible to me, but you know, listen, whatever Esther could say, it's like something horrific happened to her. She's been kidnapped, you know. And Trisha's like, okay, we have a child therapist lined up for Esther when we get home and we'll just see, she'll start talking when she's ready to talk. And we, okay. and then we see that scene where they walk into a gigantic room and Esther's playing a haunting piano yes. tune. And like, do you just see her pigtails and her eyes staring over the, the piano? And uh, Trisha says, it's me, it's your mother. And she runs over to Trisha. And I say again here, um, she looks like an adult woman. She's yes. short. They're, they've done no. And I understand maybe they try to like do a little CGI. Yeah. It would have looked crazy. She's just... Yeah. I think you kind of have to make that choice. To, you have to just be like, I don't know. We're just going to send... This is it. This is what we're doing. Because also, like, Isabel Ferdinand it does not have a baby face. You know what I mean? She has the yeah. face of an adult. And what? it is what it is. You know what I mean? We're not going to... Yeah. And also, what's the budget for that kind of thing? I don't know. Right. I mean, that seems very expensive. So they fly back in a private jet because, you know, they're rich as fuck. And Trisha is mm-hmm. sort of showing mm-hmm. Esther family photos to jog her memory. Like, here's Alan. Here's Gunner. And then one of the grandmas who was named Mup Mup, which I loved as a grandma name. Okay. And she said, oh, Mup Mup, she's been so good to us. And Esther says, yes, Mup Mup, I can't wait to see her. And, and Trisha says, no, honey, she died. It's like, well, then why did you say she's been so good to us? That's confusing, okay? That is confusing. That's that's not on Esther. That's on Julia <laughs> Styles. And there's also like a million moments, a lot of which were in the trailer, of people are like, that's strange. You did you didn't used to play the piano that well. It's like, give her right. a break. Like, that's the thing. Right. You're going to get hot. Stuff. Yeah. Four years have passed. Right. For God, let her play the piano. For God's sake. For all you know, that was the only thing keeping her up sane. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. <laughs> and um, and Esther's like, oh, right. Um, I've got to go to the bathroom. So she goes to the bathroom and they're playing this dramatic music and she's stolen a bottle of airplane liquor. And she drinks it. And she's like, you idiot, stupid. And she starts furiously kicking the walls, freaking out, just like she did in the bathroom in the original Orphan. Everyone take a drink. Um, they land. 
And Esther says, do you, do you think father will recognize me? And I'm so sorry about this accent. It is nothing as I say it. It's, no, it's wonderful. It's everything. Thank you. It's giving adult. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> giving an adult who's clearly trying to pretend to be a child in a way that no one should believe. Yep. Yes. She said, do, do you think father will recognize me? And she says, well, not if you give him, call him father. Okay. Call him dad. And she's like, well, let's, uh, let's take off your weird little beret and yeah. let's go to, we'll stop at Target and get you some, maybe so like a sweatshirt. And uh, now, why are you dressed like a bizarre American girl doll? <laughs> And take off, let's take off the ribbons around your neck and wrist. So she reaches, so the ribbons are like a black velvet ribbon. Yeah. And of course, Trisha reaches to be like, why are we wearing this, you know? And um, uh, we just suddenly see uh, Esther's arm flash and grab her mother's wrist. And both of them are kind of like, oh, oh, sorry. And it's like, that's why you, Esther is not actually good at this. <laughs> like she's, there's so many yeah, she's not, like, you didn't have to do that. Just say, yeah, no, she, I like it. She's not staying in character. Yes. You know, and that's again because she has other priorities. Okay, yes. other dad, daddy-shaped priorities, mm-hmm. um, which we're going. She's going to be very Did thrilled. She even see a picture of this dad before she chose this family. I believe she saw was able to like Google a photo of the family. I would think that that would be yes, like a pretty important. Like, what if like she was like, oh, I look like this kid. I can probably pass here, and it's just like, yeah, not a dad she's into. Um, I what if, agree. What if, what if it was gay moms? Like, this isn't like the easy, you know. That's for the threequel. That's for, yes, yeah, or yes. for the reboot. Um, yes. So, Will says, but does she find her lucky charms? But they're magically delicious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I believe that she did see a photo and that makes sense Um, as uh, the daddy is very handsome, like a perfect daddy, like yeah. what you imagine for a daddy yeah, um, dad. to be, of course. And Esther tries to backpedal from the weird moment, but Trisha's like, that's okay. Again, chalking everything up to her abduction. Like, it's going to take a long time for you to feel comfortable. I put, I try to touch your clothes. I get it. Don't worry about it. You right. Know? Like, I mean, even though it's like four years is a long time and who knows what that scenario would have, like if all of mm-hmm. this was true or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, like that would you like that wouldn't be so out of place. Exactly. Everything so far, it's like, all right, okay. okay. So she meets Alan and Gunner, and Alan scoops her up and it starts sobbing. And like Alan was clearly the one that was most distraught. And it's like, I always knew we'd find you. I always believed Trisha was kind of like, we have to move on. You know, I like we're all so incredibly sad. Gunner is just like really freaked out. And it's like iron her suspiciously, like. What is what you came back and you look like this? Like this yeah. is very weird. This is weird. And they arrive at their house, which looks like a fucking museum. Like this is like you could yeah. fit twenty ha- families in this house. It's gigantic. They have Fabergé eggs on the mantelpiece, and I Esther mean, just has a huge smile on her face. Like I really hit the jackpot here. Yeah. Um, and Trisha and Ellen show Esther her room, which uh, they kept it as is. So it's like a huge, beautiful doll house, and they're like well, you know, we don't necessarily know what you're into, but let us know, like, what you like and we could get you things, you know. She says, I like to paint. And Alan's like, painting? You never liked to paint before. I was like, there are four things that kids even know about. One of them is painting. One of them is painting. It's like like painting, video games, kickball. Animals. Animals, that's it. Painting, it's like, what else would a child be doing? Like, what are you talking about? She wasn't like, I want to build a computer. Like, (laughs) I love jet skiing. Like, it's not going to (laughs) happen. You know what I mean? but the reason he is very excited and like shocked by this is that he is an artist so he's like a well-known artist in the black light painting community i guess oh wow and and since esther disappeared he really he's been his work has fallen apart his marriage is suffering like he's you know he just has like been really suffering 
and understandably. And so now he's like, oh my God, like you could come spend time with me in our studio, in my studio, which is like, attached to the house. Like it's, we're going to be able to bond, you know? Yep. Also, they must have family money from both sides because you don't, I mean, you could be like Jeff no. Coons maybe, but most no. people. There's like three artists. Also, Jeff Coons probably has family money. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like every yeah, famous right. artist like, I even know probably comes from a wealthy family. Yes. Luckily, in the ha- in the um, room, there is a record player, and luckily, the record on it is that's is the story of love by Jimmy Durante, which we heard in the playlist, and of course, is also played during the original Orphan. Take a drink, okay. Um, Trisha tells Esther, "Okay, so tomorrow you're going to talk to the therapist. Do you remember Doctor Seeger? You know, remember so you saw her before you left? She had the parrot named Sydney." And Esther's like, "Oh yes, I I remember the parrot named Sydney. Of course, yes, I'm excited to go see the parrot." Wait, and it's Sydney or Sydney? Sydney. It'd Would be that funny have made a difference? Cindy. Yeah, that'd be cute. <laughs> a parrot named Cindy? I don't know. I'm just into it. There's going to be so much parrot talk later. Like there, oh the parrot God. is, is that the most pivotal? But it does, it does play a role in the film. Interesting. And it's, I just knew that you would hate the idea of, imagine paying money to see a doctor of any sort. And then you just see a parrot just in a cage, just next to their head, like behind no. them. No. The entire no. time. No. The most untrustworthy person I can imagine. <laughs> um, so they arrive at Dr. Seeger's office, and of course, right before her session, through a crack of the door, Esther is constantly, oh, if a door is open to crack, she's looking like this. Okay, yeah. she's getting okay. in there. She's she's fine, <laughs> she's peeping. Um, and she overhears a doctor talking to Inspector uh Donnan on the phone. And Dr. Seeger's like, you know, I think it's too early to get involved. I'd love to meet with her. Let me establish a rapport, and then you could come in. Because um, the detective's like, I want to know what the fuck happened. Who took her? Like, where did they go? Like, right. And his whole thing is like, should we be concerned? Was this someone from the community? Are they going to be out here taking other kids because right. you got because you got escape danger? Right. Yeah. All very reasonable. Yes. Um. And uh, so they go in, and Doctor Seeger has a beautiful, like a little bright green parrot, uh, in her office, huge cage in her office. Welcomes Esther back, and I was just like, I would do a uh, therapy session with any other animal, but a parrot can repeat human words. I don't want to yeah. be telling my trauma to someone and then the parrot just starts screaming. Mother. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy issues. <laughs> um, trauma. Yeah. So I was learning like, <laughs> this is your, your child therapist with a parrot. Like I understand when you're like, oh, kids like animals, not this animal. Just get a cat. Get a dog, like even get a, get a bird that can't talk. Get a parakeet. I don't think they Right, can. right. Just a non-talking bird would be ideal. And Dr. Seeker's like, oh, you know, do you remember when we first began our sessions, you know, before you were, you know, abducted? Do you remember what I said to you? And Esther's like, oh, refresh my memory, please. And she's like, I, if I ask you any questions that make you uncomfortable, you let me know and we can stop. And, and Esther's like, I wish my parents were like you. They just keep asking me what happened, but I'm not ready to talk yet. Which is sort of like her guard against, like, yeah. like she doesn't know anything, you know? Right. And uh, Dr. Seeger's like, well, speaking of, like, is there anything you'd like to share with me? And Esther's like, no, um, I want to play with the parrot. And she rushes over. She's like, do you want to play with me, Sydney? I remember you. I remember you, Sydney. And Dr. Seeger, like, frowns immediately at this. At the end of the session, she sort of has Esther wait in the waiting room and brings in uh, Trisha. And, of course, uh through subterfuge, Esther is able to turn on the intercom at the receptionist desk to listen to them. Again, you shouldn't have that in a therapist's office. That shouldn't be a technology that exists in that building. Right, like you can turn on it in your therapy session at the reception. Like, doesn't make any sense. No. And so no. Dr. Seeger says, well, you know, I'm going to be honest. Um, 
I don't know. There's something that's striking me as a little artificial, a bit of a performance. And she's just like, well, I mean, she's been gone for four years. Like, I mean, maybe she had to perform. Like, maybe this was yeah. like her mask of, of of surviving. She's like, well, she's in good shape intellectually and emotionally, uh, more so than I would have thought. But um, there are some inconsistencies. For example, she thought that parrot was Sydney. Can you believe she thought that parrot was Sydney? Sydney was a macaw, bright orange, four times the size of this parrot. So it's interesting. Why did why she assume it was the parrot? And of course, Esther's out there like, no, I blew it. I got, yeah. I got, the, I got the parrots mixed up. <laughs> How could she have known? Also, like, birds live forever. I, I Allison, there's so many parrot-related questions that are unresolved where it's like, one, wh- what happened to the first parrot? It's right. only been four years. They live, yeah, they live like, they half live like 50 years. Two, what's the name of the new parrot? They never say it. And it's like, oh, that's so weird. Sydney, too. They're Sydney, like, that's too. That's not Sydney. That's Jessica. <laughs> that's not Sydney. That's Cindy. I don't know. <laughs> and so Trisha says, okay, but like, what are you implying? Like, what are you saying that? And Dr. Seeker's like, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is it just feels like a performance. And it all feels a little bit inconsistent. Allison, at this point in the film, I got to ask you, what would you do? What would you do? I'm gonna, te- like, I want to bring her to a hospital or the police station and, like, get some tests done. <laughs> like, I mean, I do think that, that it should be. Like, did they not, like, did she, yes. like, falsify her identity, like, bureaucratically or like are they just is she just like I can pass they're just gonna know it's me well Allison I would say what would that look like if she were to verify it like if the children do not have driver's license do you have fingerprints well so that's that's a good question is why wouldn't they just immediately fingerprint her just to verify it do yeah. and especially now too, I mean, 2007 maybe they weren't doing DNA quite as much yeah, but guess. like they could blood type you. They could... Uh, yeah, genetic testing. Yeah, there's said. plenty. I mean, dental dental records, which again, we talk about in Orphan. Yes. No one even brings up dental records at any point in time. She also has the fake teeth, if you recall from the end of Orphan. She has the fake teeth in because her teeth right. look good. And the right. later we'll see her sort of take them out and rinse them off, I guess, as she does uh-huh. every day. Uh, so we don't see her brush her actual teeth, but... Right. Um, um, yes, I agree that it's not insulting to be like, I just want to verify this. I don't, I think, yeah, but I think we're to believe, you know, as does happen that they, at this point, just want to believe it's her, you know? Yeah. Um, Steven said, I'd get a different therapist for one, which absolutely correct. You should Um, never be seeing a therapist with a talking bird. Maddie says Um, a genetic test. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Ariel, Ariel wants to know what I would do if I were Esther. Yeah, what would you if you were Esther? Well, how would you how would you Girl, find I start this? studying up a little bit more because you can't yeah. fuck it up. Like <laughs> it's it's like don't it, either study harder or just be like, I don't remember, I don't know. Like that to me, it's yes. like, yeah, that seems right. you're traumatized if you don't have memories of specific like, the parrot's name. That seems right. perfectly reasonable. Oh, oh, she doesn't know the parrot's name. Who cares? Who right. gives a shit? I guess if I ever met a doctor with a parrot, I would remember the parrot's name for the yeah, rest of my pretty, life. Yeah, it's like but... memorable. Um uh, Rach said, time to call Julia's omen husband at the embassy and return that kid. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, it's like, what is the process by which you could return a child you mistakenly thought was yours? Yeah. And like, whose fault is all of that? <laughs> I like, think it's the embassies. I absolutely think it's, it is yes. the embassies. It is, it's also Dr. Seeger. Dr. Seeger, like she, she is flagging something 
mm-hmm. then you should be following up. You should be like, and yes. now we will be doing the genetic test. We will right. be doing something. Yeah. Right. TJ said, the new parrot is Gale Feathers. Oh, TJ. That is the name of the new parrot is, is Gale Feathers. Gale Feathers. That's in the spinoff that's a starring Gale Feathers, the parrot. Yes. A parrot that solves, not murders, but different grifts and, and cons is very sure. fun. It would be fun. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Allison, Dr. Seeger and Trisha are talking. Just then they hear a scream. They run out and Esther is cowering in the corner of the office. And she's like, "That he hit me and tore my dress. And she points at an actual little boy who's just clearly waiting for his session. And he's like, Oh, like he's like he's yeah. first of all half still half her size. Second of all, has no idea what's going on. And she's trying to like blame him just to like get her mother out. And of course, she's upset. Her mother's like, okay, we'll go home and we'll make another appointment. I'll call you. And they rush out Esther out. Um outside, uh Esther sees Inspector Do- uh Donin, who she doesn't know, but she has she knows that he's watching them. And so she's smart. She I'm sure she picks up like Yes. We're being monitored. Is he a police yes. officer? He's catching on to us. You she know. should also assume that that's happening when she like pulls these kinds of scams anyway. Yeah, exactly. So they arrive back at the house and Alan greets them just as a jeep full of gunners, asshole friends arrive, including a truly remarkable dickhead named Mike, who I love. Like he's like the Judy of um, Sleepaway oh, Camp. Sure. We're not not to that degree, but like is an asshole for at a 10, like at an 11 for no reason. Yeah. And he yells from the Jeep window at um at uh, Esther. He goes, "Hey, Morticia, can you get Gunner?" And a girl up to me, his girlfriend's like, "Mike, that's his sister. Remember, she was abducted." And everyone's like, "Oh my god, she looks so weird." Blah, blah. And Esther, of course, doesn't help her case because she whirls at them and says in Estonian, "How about I cut your balls off and feed them to you, you fucking shit stain?" And of course, none of them understand that. And Mike says. <laughs> Is that Spanish or something? Because I don't know. And it was like, oh, no, Mike. Thank you, dumbass. Gunner finally comes out. He jumps in the car. And Mike's like, oh, my God, your your sister's a real trip. And Gunner's like, shut up. My dad's right there. Don't say anything mean about my sister. And Mike says, I don't care. Really loud like that? I was like, that's, I'm sorry, that's fun. That's fun. That's like, a that's a fun person. Yeah, like, he is funny. I'm sorry. I, don't, I get that's it funny. when you hang out with Mike, you know? Yeah. And they kind of gun it and they drive away. Fortunately, this leaves Alan free for a little bit of daddy time. So he takes um, Esther to his studio and shows him, of course, the black light art, which we saw in the original Orphan. Give it, yeah. give us a, a give a big gulp to the black light art. And as you see, basically, like each painting looks like a traditional painting. Then when he turns in the black light light, 
we see the neon designs. So like some of them, it's like jellyfish or butterflies or people are crying or they say have like demon wings, like all sorts of stuff, which I do think is cool, but it's cool in like a, like if you were doing a loft in like 2007 and you yeah. were like a member of corn or something, like it's someone yeah. where it's like, right. it's cool, but also I don't know where people buy art, sort of, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't feel very like, Darian. Yeah, it has money. If, but I mean, that's like he goes in the city and he sells it to rich people who think that's cool. I, I, I want to be clear. I do think it's cool. I just think it's like cool in like a hot topic type of way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, and, hot topic, please sponsor our podcast. <laughs> um, yes, we did reply to hot topic. Hot topic did reach out to us because we yes. referenced them and we had they reach out. We replied back. We would love to do, we would love to be in Anything. the hot topic business. Yes. Selling our merch. Us, you sending us corn t-shirts and us wearing them. Uh, yes. Fine with me. Whatever we'll you want to do, we will do yep. it. We're in. Um, Esther sees an easel that's covered like in a drop cloth and asks, what is this? And he pulls it off. And it's sort of a collage that Alan has made of all these different like reports of Esther's disappearance. Mm. And she sees a photo of Inspector Dunnan and she puts two to two together like, oh, he's the detective. He's following me. He's going to yes. fucking figure this out. And Alan covers up the, the cork board. And he's like, it's all in the past now. But he's really excited that Esther is interested in art. So he gives her some charcoals and she tells him, I want to draw you. And they, she draws him and they sort of chat. And he tries to like essentially ask, were you sexually assaulted? You know, yeah. and he's like, so you learned to draw over there. Like, did you just draw or did you also have to like model? You know, like, and presumably asking like, were you, what else was going on over there? And Right, because I'm sure it wasn't just like, oh, we had a great time. Like the yes. story wouldn't be like, I just lived with her for a while. Yeah, like, whatever it is, it's not good. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, even if, like, it wasn't something like trafficking, it's still like, you're living with someone, I can't imagine that uh, person is emotionally and mentally well and a good no. parent. No, and they still... They, yes. And even if they were, they still abducted a child. So there's something else going on with them, you know? And she cuts him off. It's like, it, was, it wasn't what you think. It wasn't anything like that. Try to be like, no, it was, that, not, that kind of thing didn't happen. Meanwhile, Trisha is able to watch them from another wig of the house because the house is so fucking huge. It's like a semicircle. Oh, so literally she's, she's peeking through the curtains at them as they're doing art. And she tells us on the phone, she's telling her other friend, Beth, she's like, no, it's still happening. We're doing the gala tomorrow. Alan's not coming. He hates that kind of thing. Uh, but it, Allison, it's a soiree. It's a gala to benefit. a gala. Yeah, they're going to benefit pediatric cancer. They're going to oh. dress up. Oh. They're going to laugh. Yeah. They're going to dance. They're going to not know that an adult woman is listening as a child and living in their house. Um, and so Esther turns on her drawing to show Alan. It's like, it's beautiful. It doesn't look a lot like him, but like, it's very well done. So he's thrilled. He's like, oh my God, I, if you could do that with charcoal, let's see what you can do with paint. He runs out and she reaches out to the drawing's lips and kind of smudges the charcoal on the lips of the daddy portrait and then takes her finger and then puts it on her own lips clearly thinking of Alan. Allison, when she turns around, Trisha is just staring at her through the window, <laughs> having seen that, like, uh-oh. Uh, not good. Not good. Not good. Put the daddies on high alert. Um, in at night, of course, we also see Esther has to rewrap, like, her boobs because as, a, as oh, right. an adult woman, like, she's, she's an adult woman. orphan. Right. And um, she's almost done with suddenly she sees Trisha in her room and sort of picks, picks up her Bible like offhand. And Esther rushes out and is like, don't, don't you ever knock? Don't you, you can't look at people's things without asking them, you know? But again, Trisha apologizes and she's like, I was looking for my gold watch. I, I, haven't, I can't find it, but I'm sure it will turn up. I, I didn't mean to take anything. Of course, 
Esther has found a secret compartment under her dollhouse where she's sort of squirreling away gems and jewels and watches that she's starting to pilfer from the house. The way that cats like throw all of their toys and hair ties (laughs) uh, under the couch. (laughs) And and in there, she finds the actual Esther's diary. So that helps her start to flesh out the the personality of Esther. For example, she loves Wicked. Oh, God. And so you see her, like, practicing being um, Esther, but it's funny because she doesn't say anything about Wicked, which would have been great, but it's just her being like, hello, mommy. Hi, mommy. Hello, mommy. It's like, I'm sure she said other stuff. Like, say right. something about, listen say to the soundtrack. Anything, yeah. Anything else. Just be like, could we play Wicked the soundtrack on the car, in the car, so I know what it sounds like, but... At dinner that night, Alan's raving about, like, how incredible uh, Esther is as an artist, and Gunner's like, how is that even possible? Like, four years ago, she couldn't draw a stick figure, and Trish says, you know, you know, think about where you were four years ago. You know, you're fencing champion four years ago. You're going to wipe your own ass or I don't even know what his age. I, you know, I mean, like four years is a long time. And just then the doorbell rings, Allison. It is Inspector Donnan. And he stopped by. He says to welcome home Esther. And obviously to get a gander at her because yeah. he's the one who's like, this bitch, mm, this, this bitch looks 29 years old. So I yeah. don't know what's going on. And Esther, to sort of not interact with him, grabs her water glass and runs into the kitchen to get more water. But of course, she's just looking through the door. She's she's eavesdropping. Speaking. And his whole thing is, again, like, I would like um, to have a meeting all together with um, Alan and Trisha and uh, Esther with Dr. Seeger, because I really would like to talk about what clues, what any evidence she could give us to find the person who did this. Uh, if this if this actually happened, which of course he already started to think it yes. didn't, but it's like if if something happened, I need to find out. What, what, we live in a small town. I'm yeah. not gonna be able to sleep, you know. Yeah. And uh, he said I already reached out to Dr. Seeger, and she's open to set up sort of a group discussion, and it will make it comfortable, whatever you guys are comfortable with. And they're like, yeah, that seems reasonable. Like uh, the parrot will be there too, I presume, you know. Yeah. So let's do it tomorrow. Esther rushes out. And it's like, Mommy, uh, but your gala is tomorrow. We can't meet with the detective tomorrow. Sorry, we have to do it another day. And Inspector John's like, no problem. We'll do it the, the day after next. And he points out, he's like, Esther, you forgot to fill your water glass. Of course, he knows he's onto her. He's like, yeah. whatever you're doing, it's not, it's not a child. Yes, yeah. this is weird. And as he leaves, Trisha has a sort of grave look on her face. And this is our moment of like, Trisha is also having her doubts about the identity of Esther. That night, Esther loads up all of her jewelry that she stole from the house. And she she's about to flee. She's going to leave in the middle of the yep. night rather than go through this process with the detective. Yes. And before she does, she sees a little rat peering out from the heating grate. This is not the kind of house with rats, maybe a mouse. But this is a big, fat, beautiful rat that you pay money for at a petting, like like at a pet store. Like this yeah. is not like a uh, like a wild rat. rat. This is like a, someone's pet rat, you know. Yeah. And she crouches oh, down. God. She says, "I'm sorry, you. I'm sorry, you live here." She is halfway across the lawn. She's running. She's leaving Allison. And then she turns back and sees that beautiful blue purple light of the black light. And she looks back and. She sees Alan in a tank top, and that's all she wrote. She goes back inside because Daddy Esther's, in a tank top. Esther's got a taste for the dadder things in life. And she returns to her room, and she tells the rat, I think I'll stay for a while. So again, had her moment, realized she should have run, and instead is too in love with the daddy. Too in lo- it, it, She can't do it. She probably should have. The next day, we see Trisha go for a run. And we see her running in the snow, and she rests at like a big concrete like cistern. So it's like a big cement circle with a door on it. 
And she's looking like at photos of Esther on her iPhone 3 because it's 2007. And I attention to details very fun in this. And her Esther really does look a lot like her daughter. Like she's looking at photos and it's like, it does look like her. That night, Trish is getting ready for the gala. And she starts to express her concerns to Alan. She's like, um... I talked to Dr. Seeger. I just want to talk to you about when we went yesterday. Um, She seemed to be implying that Esther was lying about something. I don't know exactly what she was saying, but I, you know, I'm just concerned with what Dr. Seeger's concern is. And Alan says, that's insane. Maybe she needs, maybe she needs to see a therapist. It's like, oh, Alan, I don't, if you're as a bird, she does need to see a therapist. Yeah. She probably goes to a therapist for a bird. But it's like, again, in every horror movie, if you're the spouse, do not be the one to say, no, that's crazy. Nothing to worry about. Alan steps into the room to continue the conversation, and Alan is in a tuxedo. And Trish is like, oh, my God, I thought you weren't going to come. You look amazing. And he, he's like, you know what? It's for you. It, like, this is important to you. And Gunner's here. He can watch Esther. Um, and Trisha sort of pulls Alan to, towards her, and they kiss. And she's like, you know, ever since we got Esther back, feels like we got us back. It's like, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a parrot. But yeah, I imagine having your child return to you right. from from the death, as far as you know, yeah, yeah it would put a little, like, a little pep in your step. It would, yes. it would do wonders for your it sex would, life. Yes, it would definitely change things. Um, also, thank you, Megan, for tipping $10 for Daddy in a Tank Top. Daddy in a Tank Top. Jess wrote, Orphan Thirst Kill. Very funny. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, good. That's so funny. Thank you. Thank you for that. Really special. (laughs) So Trisha and Alan start making out. It's, you know, I mean, there's a little, it's getting a little spicy. And of course, you know, Esther's right there. There's a crack in the door and Esther's peeping. (laughs) She's peeping. And they start to like get down the business. They like strip down. They hear a sound and they turn. Of course, Esther disappears down the hall. And Alan's like, just shut the door. Unfortunately, when she does, on the back of the door, she's hung her gala dress and Esther has slashed to pieces. I don't I don't know whether she knows that in the moment is just ignoring it or she just thinks it ripped. However, luckily she's rich and has a million gorgeous yeah. dresses. Yeah. She's Julia Styles. Yeah, she throws out a little black number. She looks fabulous. Alan tells Gunner, like, we're going to be here after midnight. Watch your sister. Do not let her stay up late. Like, we'll be back. And so as soon as they leave, Esther's like, turns to Gunner and says, well, so what are we going to do tonight? And Gunnar says, we he immediately invites his douchebag friends over for get a Mike bonfire. Yeah, get Mike. Mike's in the mix. He's got some, you know, white claws. They're drinking in the backyard in the snow. This was pre-right claw. Oh, my God. Well, I guess they were just drinking beer. Ugh. Ugh, not not me. Um, and so, you know, Esther's sitting in the dark, listening to the story of love on her record player and just glaring at them out the window. Um, Mike's girlfriend around the bonfire is like, is your sister different than you remember, Gunner? Like, is it weird? And Mike chimes in. He says, yeah, of course she's different. She's spent four years in some Eastern European sex gulag, which is like the first anyone ever mentions of like, yeah, if this happened, the likelihood that she would have been sexually assaulted is high. A hundred percent. And and of course, Mike's girlfriend's like, Mike. And I think Mike's girlfriend, 90% of her life is her saying Mike to different yeah. things that Mike says. Yeah, she's got to be exhausted. Um, and Gunner's like, well, she is different now. Uh, she has an accent and she dresses like Lizzie Borden. And behind him, she, he hears Esther's voice say, who's Lizzie Borden? He turns around, busted. She heard everything. And one of Gunner's friends is like, oh, Lizzie Borden was a crazy chick who killed her parents with an axe. And Esther doesn't react whatsoever. Mm. 
And he tells her, like, go inside. Just go watch a movie. Like, I'm hanging with my friends. Like, get the fuck out of here. And it's just like, how about you go fuck yourself? And all of her friends are like, oh, shit. Did she talk back to you? Esther. But he just turns away from Esther. Just then, Allison, of course, the doorbell rings. It's Inspector Donnan again. This guy can't stay away. Now, he's, he's, he's got a hunch. And Gunner answers, and he's so, like, paranoid about, like, the fact that they're obviously drinking. smoking weed and drinking. And he's like, oh, just to get together. We're just, is it? And she's like, I can smell yeah, the weed okay. smoke from the street. Um, Gunner tells him, my parents are the gal. And Dennis says, no problem. Do you mind if I snoop around your house looking for proof your sister is a fraud? I mean, can I use the restroom? And Gunner says, yeah, go ahead and use the restroom. So, of course, he's immediately, he's he's everywhere. Yeah, he goes to Esther's looking, room. He's yeah. peeking. Looking for clues. Luckily, he has his own little black light, and he uses it to find two of her fingerprints are on the Jimmy Durante record. Mm. And so um, he leaves the house. Esther sees him and rushes upstairs, thinking that he took her Bible. Luckily, it's there. However, the record is missing. So she's no dummy. He he must have figured out that he could lift her prints or some other evidence. So now she has to scheme. Alan and Trisha come home and Alan, you know, is joking like, I hope the house is still standing. When I was 16, I always burnt the house down. And Trisha's like, you know, Gunner wouldn't do that. And Alan says, who said I was talking about Gunner? They both laugh. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and Esther turns on the shower to make her parents think she's in showering and then grabs her coat and leaves. So when Trisha arrives home, she sort of, she starts to do her own snooping, assuming that Esther's in the shower. She goes to open the Bible because she's like, why was Esther not letting, was so weird about the Bible? Right. She finds the photo of the previous daddy. She also finds a photo of herself and Alan with Trisha's face all clawed out of it. Yeah. And then luckily, because it's like, how, we got to move this along, you know what I mean? She finds a clipping of Inspector Dunn with his address written on it. I don't know how Esther found it, but it's there. And of course, on the back cover, a stamp, the Sarn Institute. So take a drink for the Sarn Institute. Trisha runs into the bathroom, throws back the shower curtain. Esther is not there. Over his place, Inspector Dunnan is cutting lives to make himself a delicious looking gin and tonic, which I wish I was drinking instead of this because it's so damn sweet. Yeah. And that's not me too. I probably, I could have made this wrong. But he, he's processing the fingerprints. They, of course, do not match the actual Esther. So he finally Obviously. did the work. Unfortunately, he hears a door shut behind him and stands up. He walks to the door. No one's there, Allison. Mm. However, we see on the cutting board, the knife he just used to slice limes is gone. Oh, no. He sits back down at his desk and he, he's he's deep in investigative thought. Yes. He goes, if you're not Esther, then who the hell are you? It's a little too late because as he sits there, oh, Esther, she's in your house. That's Esther who she is. Takes the lime knife that he was using, stabs him in the back of the neck, and then just starts stabbing him in the back of the neck over and over again until he dies. Well, until he collapses. Right. And she's standing over him, blood, blood everywhere, and says, How do you know I'm not Esther? Not even her own mother knows it. And Donnan, dying, looks up and says, Yeah, kid, she does. Allison. Suddenly, a gunshot rings out, and Donnan collapses, a bullet hole in his forehead. And Esther turns to see Trisha standing behind her, gun still raised. Trisha fires off two more bullets, making sure Donnan is dead. And Esther says, as far as she goes, Mommy! (laughs) And Trisha turns and points her gun at, at Esther's head and asks, What the fuck are you looking at? Allison! What would you do, Esther edition? So now I'm asking you, what would you do? You're Esther, you just had this reveal. 
would you do? Don't know. Yeah. That's I think I would come, I think I would like come clean and be like, yeah, I'm like trying to rob you and steal your husband. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what this all is. Like I'm not your daughter. <laughs> and then maybe try and stab her. Um, Rachel <laughs> says got a gun. Rachel says Esther said a cab. A cab. For sure. <laughs> um, so many horror movies. Uh, that tip. Um yeah, I think I, uh, unless you can physically get out of the house, I'm like, yeah. run, I guess. I guess. I don't, uh, but I, I guess it's like Esther's intent is switching from, you know, robbing, getting something out of this family, whatever, and is now focused on the daddy. So it's like, is there a way to be with the daddy? And what we know from Orphan is, even if there's not, Esther is still going to pursue it. So. Yeah. Her priorities are daddy, daddy is number one, and then below that is nothing. So yeah. I think she is driven by certain needs. Just by daddy. Just by daddy. Yeah. Yeah. She is, um, <laughs> she wants only daddy. And yeah. so I think that her options are limited if she does want to keep daddy in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after this, there's this line, Julia Stiles saying line after perfect line the rest of this movie. So we cut to Trisha and Esther sitting in front of a fire at Dunnan's place. His body's there right there. And Trisha's like wrapping up, having her, her, Esther explain the whole thing. So Trisha says, So let me get this straight. You're a grown-ass woman and a wanted criminal? That is beyond fucked up. And Esther's like, well, yeah, you got me there. And Trisha gestures to Dunn's body. She's like, you know, this is all I do anymore. Okay, clean up after my children. She said, I realize that you must have come to the detective's house because, you know, he, Gunnar told me Dunn had come to our house. So I put two and two together. I find you here. And Trisha said, you could have robbed us blind and left and you didn't. Why? Mm, Why? Trisha's assumption, because she didn't know about Esther's love of daddies. The daddies. But she's thinking, you would have stayed with us for a couple of years. And then we would have had a tragic accident. You would have cut the brake line and then you inherit everything. Is that what it is? And Esther's like, I would say that she's like, yeah, that is a good idea. I should have yeah. done that. <laughs> oh, that's I, that's way better yeah, than what I would do, which is lusting after a daddy, you know? Yeah, maybe next time. But Trisha still has the gun. So Esther says like, let me go now and you will never see me again. But Trisha says, that's what I'm afraid of. Okay, we can't have Esther disappear twice now, can we? And Esther realized... The original Esther didn't disappear. And Trisha admits there was nothing I could do for her. I got there too late. And then describes like a scenario that's so vague that I find so fucked up. Basically, she says that the real Esther died at the hands of Gunner. And what Trisha says to explain what happened was he was always way too rough with her. That night, he just went too far. I'm like, that is so vague as to be even more horrific, right? Like, that's to me, yeah. Awful. The idea that, like, he was uh, physically, I'm assuming just physically, but let's say physically so abusive with her, and that that night she's like, oh, and it just went too far. Like, so it was extreme to begin with, and it just happened to be this night that he killed her. That's so fucked up. That's so fucked. This is the twist, yes? This is the twist, yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so obviously her and Gunner know but does daddy know? Daddy, has- daddy does not know. Oh. So that's why Trisha... So that... Yes. Explains it. And so Trisha it wants to keep this going, wants to create this fraud, because part of her thing is, like, Alan was... Com- like, he basically was... He was alive, but he was dead. Like, this, it right. ruined his life. And this... You brought him back to life, and I don't want to give that up, even though I basically created the situation, you know? 
And she's trying to defend herself. Like, what was I supposed to do? Like, hand over the only child I had left, you know, just because so, over some sibling bullshit that went too far. Again, what that even means is I, insane. That is fucked up. And she says, a mother protects her family at any cost. Well, not the original Esther, I guess. And if you think I'm going to let some psycho dwarf destroy what I've built, then you're mistaken. And I, I don't know whether we're supposed to think, and like, again, I don't want to get into the whole conversation, but like uh, the, the John Bidet Ramsey of it all, the people, mm. it's, it's like, oh, the son did it and the parents covered it up, which I don't believe that. I don't believe the son did it. And also, yeah. even if he did, I don't believe 10-year-olds are capable of murder. I don't. Yeah. So if, if, if your response to a child killing their sibling is to then stage that sibling's murder, you are the one who belongs in jail. That, that's like, yes. well, your kids never stood a chance. Things were so fucked up in that house that you would choose yes. to do this. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, if you knew Gunner was doing this and you were just like, oh, I went too far. It's like, how fucked up were you as his parent right. that you were that like, normalize it? Story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Super fucked up. But she's basically like, I want you to continue to be a part of this. And uh, they wrap up Dunnan's body in plastic wrap and they take her to the same cistern we saw her sitting on during her run. And they dump him in. And Esther says to her, is the original Esther down there? And Trisha says, don't you ever fucking say her name to me. Of course, Esther's body is in the cistern. Yes. Which somehow even seems more fucked up. Like, you didn't even bury her. You just like threw her into like a well. I don't know. But we started to hear Trisha monologue as they're like, you know, sort of trumbling back through the snow at night, like mm-hmm. having disposed of another body. You know, Trisha's like, this family came around the fucking Mayflower. I matter. Gunner matters. Alan matters. And the joy on his face when I brought Esther back to him, I am not taking that away. So she's pitching. Okay, Esther stays in the family. Esther gets to live this lavish life. She gets yes. everything. A life that people would dream of. I'm God, you have life. to like go to school though. <laughs> You have to be a child again. And also, what happens when you... I guess if you don't grow, people are just like, oh, you have dwarfism. Like, I don't know. Like, there's plenty of I, medical reasons. But, like, I don't know. Like, at some point, your parents would take you to the doctor, and the doctor would be like, you're an adult. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. But yeah. for the mountain, the time being... This is like, the plan. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, you have to stay alive. We cannot have you die or disappear. We're not doing that. Um, and she tells her, you conned your way into this family, you chose this role, and now you're going to fucking play it. So, you know, you can play along, or I'll make sure you go take a fall for this and end up back in jail in Estonia, okay? And it's like, well, uh, she's this is better wrong. than that. It's not a great long-term plan, but, like, I guess I see what she's going at. Yes. They also sent an email from Dunnan's email address. It's like, oh, hello, uh, chief of police. I'm going to take my vacation starting right now. It's like, I I just don't think that's how murder investigations work. I feel like you probably have to give them a little more lead time. I don't think so. Of course, when they get back to the house, Alan's like, oh my God, where was Esther? Esther says she was riding her bike and fell down. And luckily, um, Trisha found her and she's totally fine. Meanwhile, uh, Trisha fills Gunner in. And Tr- Gunner's like, there's a psychopath living in our house forever? And he's like, you, are, he, you killed your sister. Was- he knew that it wasn't her, though. Yes, he knew. He didn't oh know God. it was an adult woman who was right. had all the schemes. He didn't know. He just thought this was like a fraud, a kid or something who had lied. He did not know about the adult of it all. Okay. But Garner's thing is, we just kill her, but we make it look like an accident. And Trisha's like, well, we can't do it now. Like, yes, I do agree we should kill her. But we got to give a little lead time. Yeah, she just got back. Yeah, like, we, it, it's too much. Then we might as well have not brought it up, you know? Yeah. In her room, Esther plays with the rat, her only friend. Um, 
We also see Gunner shows Alan how to use a, a crossbow. And I did say that right. It's not a dad showing a son. It's a son showing a dad how to use a crossbow. Oh. And so I'm like, oh, this is Chekhov's crossbow. We're going to see this crossbow again. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Trish is now just like able to talk freely with Esther. And she says, again, maybe my second favorite line in the movie, she goes, our meeting with Dr. Seegers today, I probably wouldn't have if you hadn't talked to the parrot. And it's like, <laughs> the parrot plays such a big role in this movie. She's like, Sydney was a macaw. All macaws are parrots, but not all parrots are macaw. Because what are we going to do about that? Esther says, we're going to make her believe that I'm your daughter. And so we don't see it, of course, but we know that yeah. Trish is giving her all these facts. So we see them in the in the meeting Got and they're like, and, yeah. and like Esther remembers like, oh, we went to uh, Yellowstone and like we rode horses and daddy fell off the horse. We all laughed. We had a great time. And Dr. Seeger, who's like, great, someone says something to me once, and I believe it. And, and she, I take it. That's how good a therapist I am. And I uh, any deeper. Yeah, I'm like, great. You remember one thing? That seems good. So she dictates her notes, and she's like, Esther has a healthy outlook, and she's emotionally well. Another win for me, Dr. Seeger. Uh, meanwhile, Trisha also is like, I don't want you dressing like a little, like, Wednesday Adams. And so she said, I have to go do some damage. Just goes and buys a bunch of new clothes. Still in the same vein, but like a pink. So like pink and sweet and velvet. Not like, yeah. Yeah, not kind of a dour Victorian. Yes, dour. Yes. Still like conservative, you know. And she lets her wear sort of the um, the ribbons, but instead of black, she changes her over to pink. So everything's like a pink happy Esther, which Esther doesn't care for, obviously. No. And they have a little get together and they, she has Esther really come out and play the piano and everyone's like, oh my God, Esther, like what a happy ending. Like she came back and everyone's so normal and Alan's so happy. But of course, the thing about being normal is Esther is very bad at it and she yes. can only do it for so long, Allison. That's true. And if she was better at it, she wouldn't have a first skill, a second or a third, but here we are. Meanwhile, Gunnar is becoming like weirdly jealous of her role in the family and how she's sort of this little prize pig that his mother's bringing out. Yes. So afterwards, she goes to Esther goes to her room and she's like taking off her pink dress, which she hates. And he sort of looms out of the darkness. He goes, so let me get this straight. You're 30? In like the most <laughs> disgusted tone. It's so funny. <sighs> and he's like, "You, this is my house and you'll live by my rules here. As long as you're part of this family, I fucking own you, you freak. And Esther just slaps him across the face. He's like, if you do that again, I'll kill you. And she just fucking slaps him with the other hand. Because he's like, I, I've seen shit you wouldn't believe, man. You can only yeah. treat me so badly. Like, I was in yeah. this mental institution in Estonia after in Estonia. I almost killed a daddy, you know? Yes. And now I'm back for a new daddy. And she tells him, hey, he's like, you know, one call for me and you're back at the gulag. And Esther says, if you, if, if, if you do, you'll go down too. And Gunnar says, oh, because something an illegal immigrant escaped mental patient fugitive said, we'll see how well that goes. And he leaves and he whips around and he goes, this is America. People like me matter. And if you're not Esther, that just means Esther's missing again. And mom might have a problem with that, but I don't. So Gunnar is like, I'm willing to kill you right now. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he's like, I've done it before. Then there was a sequence where Trisha empties sleeping medication into Esther's food. And I think we, in the initial draft, it might have been she was poisoning her because there's voiceover that says, you're going to sleep like a baby tonight. I don't know why. Like, I don't know what, they just want her to be asleep and not like causing mayhem in the house. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess it's like, you know she'll be asleep and not like running off or yeah. killing someone or and fucking also, your you, husband. If or you were to poison her, yeah. they would do an autopsy because she's she's young. Yes. You know what I mean? So you couldn't just poison your daughter. I don't know. So uh, at dinner, just like, I made uh, roast lamb and like, it's delicious, but I know you don't like that, Esther. And so she puts out Esther's meal. So, like, so I made you your favorite and it's Kraft mac and cheese with hot dogs cut up into it. Oh, God. Which is really fun. 
And Esther was saying like, uh, you know, or Alan says, you know, uh, I had such an incredible t- uh, time working my art recently. Having Esther back has like renewed me. I'm going to go into the city, ostensibly in New York, and I'm going to meet with the gallery and show them all my new work. And um, Esther, would you like to come with me? And she's like, yes, like just to get out of this house. But Trisha Esther jumps in. And Trisha's like, um, you know, uh, we have plans. It's a surprise. You, you can't go with them. And so Esther storms upstairs with her food and gives it to the rat to eat. She refuses to. And she takes a photo of Trisha and Alan with Trisha's face clawed out. And she tears Trisha off entirely. Alan comes to check on Esther. And she mm-hmm. says, I don't really like um, mommy's cooking. And he's like, I'll be honest. I think it's bad, too. And they laugh. And he says, come paint with me. And they both go paint in the creepy red blue light of the backlight of the black light. And meanwhile, Trisha again is peeping through the curtains from the other wing. And she sees Esther in like sort of the reverie of like having this daddy's attention kiss Alan's hand. And it does feel like a kid's kiss. Like it's not like gross. Yeah. But Trisha obviously is seeing it with fresh eyes. Yes. And so yes. Um, Alan turns in for the night. And Trisha storms in the studio. And he, the first thing she says is, are you so utterly delusional to think that he could want you? It's like, you cannot push this woman f- too far. Like, what are no. you doing? You don't know you her. Know she, yeah, you know she's a criminal and a psycho. Yeah. And Trisha says, oh, surprise, I'm not your daughter. I'm a mutant grifter. She tells him, Alan would be as repulsed by you as I suspect most men are. And it's like, you just came in and just read her for filth and you expect her not to do something crazy. Yeah, why would, I don't know. Why would you do that? If if only she had the information we had because she doesn't know she's in a prequel. If she knew what we know from Orphan, we wouldn't be doing this. Correct. And Trisha whirls around and says, now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go upstairs and fuck my husband. He really is a new man. So thanks for that. And I was like, what is Esther getting out of this? I would just leave. I mean, I was yeah, just leave with daddy. But it's like, you have to stay to be around dad. There's other daddies in the world. Yeah, Trisha's a bitch. Yeah. Trisha and Gunner, I mean, we're setting them up to be like, we're sympathetic for, for, to Esther at this point, you know? Yeah. And we see her in the studio. She's like flicking the light on and off as, as she sobs by herself, you know? And that night she's struggling to go to sleep and she hears the rat sort of scuttling it out on her mac and cheese uh, bowl. Allison, when she sees the rat, it's dead. So I'm like, was it supposed to be poison? Was it just dead because it ate so much of it? And there was um, oh. so much sleeping medication? I don't know. But this is the last straw. Yeah. She picks up a doll. American Girl got a doll. Just starts smashing photos off her bureau. And in the morning, Alan gets ready. Gets ready to go to the city. He's like, I feel bad that Esther can't go. And, and Trisha says, no, I really need to bond with her. I need to find some way to connect with her. I mean, you guys have painting. You're so, you know, in touch with her. But I want that too. And I'm going to work on it today. And he's like, ah, oh, you're a great mother. And as they walk downstairs, they find Esther making bacon and crepes. And like, I, again, sure. yeah. And Trisha says, oh, you know, I'm just going to make my regular smoothie. And Esther says, don't worry. I already have it ready for you. Here mm. it is. And it's this big, thick green smoothie that Trisha is trying to avoid drinking. But Helen's like, oh, she put so much work into it. Just take a sip. And she goes, yes, try it. It's special just for you, mommy. So Trisha takes a sip and is like, okay, it's great. And then goes to dump it in the sink. And when she does, the dead body of the rat tumbles out of the smoothie. Oh, my God. But rather than let, I'm so sorry. Rather than let Alan see it, she kind of like jams it down the, the garbage disposal. And when she turns around, Esther stares up at her all smiles. Game on, mommy. All right, Allison, I got to ask, at this point in the film, now that we're going toe-to-toe, who will survive? Who 
will survive. Oh boy. I mean, here, we know Esther survives because this is a prequel. Um, yes. I think yeah, that Julia that. Stiles is going to die. I think that Gunner is going to die. I think Daddy is going to die. Okay. Um, we also have some great comments from the chat. Um, Maddie, yes. okay, I'm on Esther's side now. This is crazy. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you're like, listen, there you can't overplay your hand when also Esther does know that you killed your child. I don't know. Other than right. The, 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 or that's that, like you covered died. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lex said, I cannot believe I'm actually rooting for Esther to kill the mom and the brother. Same. Um, Sarah says, Julia Stiles is insane to this. Every line is art. I have to assume that's why she agreed to do it. It's like very different for her where she's just like this snarling, like icy, insane Connecticut yes. mother. I'm going to go fuck my husband now. It's like, that's a fun. Everyone, that's every, fun. every woman wants that role at some point. Yeah, uh, Molly says, only Queen Esther will survive. Yeah. Mariko um, said, <laughs> I would rather just pull an Allison special than drink a rat smoothie. Agree. That's <sighs> vile. That's like one of the worst things I've heard in a, in a long time in, on this podcast. And I guess, yeah, I... I it's like in order to maintain a semblance of normality, you have to cover up that that happened. Yeah. I would just turn and immediately throw up into the sink. I wouldn't be able yes. to, to no, 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 no. My, my body would reject that. Full <laughs> my stop. mind would reject it. My body would yes. reject it. Uh, Water bear 29 said RIP daddy. Good riddance to the rest. Agreed. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Mel says, Daddy will live will be crazy. I like that a lot because Daddy is the only one who has not, he is, he's pure of whole, pure He is pure whole and pure, pure heart. Whole. And um, he's the only one who has been kind to Esther. This unfortunately has made her fall in love with him, which is not great. But listen, that's just the nature of a daddy is, is to be desired, you know? Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Um, but in the morning, everyone goes with Alan to the train station to see him off to the city. Um, and he shows Esther, he's like, uh, he has a, like a round carrying case of his art, like rolled up. And he says, you know, I have a friend who works at Woodley, this very renowned art school, and you are so good. I'd love to talk to him about you going to Woodley. And Esther, of course, is like, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. I, I'm an adult woman and I'm in love with you, but sure, I'll go to an art school. Yeah. And he gives her the art, the carrying case to go join Trisha and Gunner on the platform. He's going to run again in coffee. And Esther walks towards them. And I thought, like, as we're walking through, like, she sort of passes, like, all these signs are in front of her. I thought we were going to see, like, Trisha and Gunner were going to be kissing or something. Like, I thought there was going to be a double reveal or something. Yes, like, yes. Some other, does, like, like <gasps> that he's, like, not the brother. He's yes. actually, like, 
her lover. Right. Something like that. Yeah. But I, I don't know how that would happen. So, you know, it's not. But she decides I'm the train's arriving. I'm going to push one or both of these motherfuckers onto the tracks. So she rushes up behind them and is about to hit them with this carrying case. Unfortunately, a bystander. Oh, you're going to get caught doing that. <laughs> I I guess it's like she thinks like she just like, oh, I accidentally bumped into them or something. I don't know. But yeah, you're what in public. Do is, is like not get on the train when they get on the train. And then it's like a plenty of time to escape and pack up your, go back home, pack up your things, get out of there. Uh, a great point. Well, luckily we're, we're going to be arriving at that moment uh, momentarily. She rushes up. A bystander just happens to walk in between them. Esther runs into him, foiling her plan. And Trisha and Gunnar immediately realize she was about to shove them on the tracks. Yeah. But of course, Alan arrives, running out of the train. So everyone has to be smiling. Bye, Dad. Bye, Daddy. And as they walk out of the station, Trisha, like holding Esther, says, I, I can't believe that you would try to kill us. This arrangement is over. You're fucking dead. And finally, Esther makes a break for it. And she wrenches the purse out of Trisha's arms, grabs the pepper spray, and just pepper sprays Gunner in the face as he chases her, and then takes the car keys and runs to the SUV. She jumps in the SUV and flips Trisha the bird as Trisha sort of pleads with her and pounds on the door. Why would she ever open the door, Trisha? Think about her two seconds. Yeah, right. Trisha, meanwhile, has her, has her phone. She makes a call. Now for the best scene in the film. Ooh. Finally alone, Esther gets to be herself. So she cranks the radio, which is just so happening, playing that She's a Maniac song by Michael Stambello from, yes. um, oh my God, what movie is that from? Um, the one where she's an exact dancer and also a welder. Um, Flashdance. Flashdance. I've never seen it. I'm so sorry. I apologize to any Flashdance So she's not cranking an it. What she's is a she? Dancer. Oh, she's a dancer. Okay, my bad. So she's cranking the music. And she takes off her neck ribbon, which is like her version of like undoing her tie, you know? Yeah. And she puts on a, a pair of Trisha's sunglasses and puts on like, a, she has like a bullet, red, bright red bullet lipstick and puts it on and then lights up a cigarette. And it's just fucking cruising. And it's such a great, like <laughs> funny moment of like, what would you do? What would this person do? Yeah. Unfortunately, seconds in, she doesn't even get to finish her cigarette. A police cruiser pulls her over and she's trying to pretend like she's an adult, like sitting up. She's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Was I driving too fast? <laughs> and the officer says, you must be Esther. She doesn't know this, but we know that this, this cop was someone who had worked with Inspector Donnan. We had seen her standing around in one other scene. Yes. And apparently Trisha had called this officer, Officer Leahy, saying, oh my God, my daughter has taken the SUV. And so finally they get back home. Gunner's face is burning. He's like whining they need to go to the hospital. Trisha's like, shut the fuck up. I haven't talked to the cops. So she talks to Officer Leahy and she's like, you know, um, Esther's been like really erratic. She's having all these emotional problems. She keeps joking about hurting herself. But I'm starting to think like, what if they're not really jokes? Setting up that they're going to try to kill her and then claim it suicide. And the cops are like, well, have you taken her to therapy? They're like, yeah, definitely. And the cop's like, well, I don't know what else to do. Okay, bye. You know, like I'm a cop. I'm only going to do so much. So in the the house, like Esther storms upstairs and Trisha and Gunner touch base. And Trisha says, we're doing this now. And Gunner replies, it's about damn time. And they chase Esther into her room and they grab her. And Trisha takes a pair of like little tiny like sewing scissors. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about scissors, but little tiny ones. And they tell her like, your suicide is going to break daddy's heart, but he'll get over it. He absolutely will not. He will not. He has. He's had her back for like a week, two weeks, and then she will die by suicide. It, he will never get over that. Absolutely. Like- 
for for what he knows, like that is the wildest emotional roller coaster you could ever be on. The worst pain I could possibly imagine. I I truly can't. I can't. So I don't a bad plan, but you know, luckily Esther spits in Trisha's face and is able to wrench herself out of Gunner's grasp. He chases her to the top of the stairs and sort of like throws her against the wall, screaming, "Just die already, freak!" And she tumbles down the stairs. Just then, of course, Alan calls and is like, oh my God, the cops called. They said the SUV had been stolen. She's like, no, I'm sorry. It was, I, I freaked out. Um, Esther went missing at the mall, you know, trying to make up some excuse. Now it's like, well, I'm already headed back. I'm going to be at the train station. I'm just going to take a taxi back. So now they're like, we have to kill Esther in half an hour. 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah like however long it takes from the train station. They look down. Esther's body, which had been at the bottom of the stairs, is of course now gone. Of course. And Trisha tells Gunner, finish it. So he tries to put on his fencing mask and picks up his, uh, I think it's pronounced an epi. Like yeah. the, it's one of the, not a foil, not a saber, the other one. Yeah. And, um, and then his face hurts so bad, so he has to take off his fencing mask, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And he goes into Alan's art studio. He's, he's like, come out, Esther, wherever the fuck your name is. I'm sure we could figure something out. You really believe that? <laughs> Honestly, No. Me neither. And then lifts the crossbow and just fucking shoots Gunner in the chest before leaping on top of him and finishing him off with, in a stabbing frenzy with his uh, epi. Stabbing yes. him in the throat, in the chest. And of course, Trisha walks in and gasps and says, what have you done? It's like, you... It's like, girl. Yeah, you were trying you know to this what woman. Yeah, at stake here. And she chases Esther in the kitchen. And then they have a full-on brawl, which is like, Esther, I mean, she's got to be scrapping because, again, she is uh, on the diminutive side compared to Trisha. Yes. Esther's teeth, fake, fake teeth pop out, but she puts them back in. And, again, she has fake teeth to cover up her gross adult teeth as seen in 2009's Orphan. Take a drink, everybody. And finally, they're both bloody. Trisha throws Esther over the kitchen island and she slams into the stove and falls to the ground. She's basically Michael Myers because when Trisha goes around the kitchen island, Esther is gone. Unfortunately, Esther has run up the stairs. Trisha grabs a knife and follows her. Neither of them notice that the gas range has turned on and that in their fight, there's like uh, dish houses and stuff that have fallen onto the mm. stovetop. They catch fire. The whole fucking house starts to catch on fire within seconds. Like it's basically made out of cardboard. So it's the right. fire sweeping through the house. Trisha finds Esther in her room. And Trisha says, Alan will find out who you are. The deformed freak who manipulated our grief, murdered our son, and tried to kill me until I did what had to be done and sort of holds the knife out in front of her. She's going to kill Esther and then blame her for everything. Yes. But Esther didn't get this far by not being scrappy. So she leaps out the window onto the second floor uh, roof and then clamors to the high, like, highest point of the roof, which is like three stories, if not higher. And Trisha's trying to follow her up in this, like, very steep roof. Again, I don't know what they're thinking. She tries to stab her. Of course, she drops the knife when she swings and misses. Just that Allison, Alan arrives home in a taxi to see his entire house on fire and his, what if he believes his, <laughs> his in my art. Yeah. <laughs> worst of all is art. And then his wife, second worst of all, his wife and daughter engage in hand-to-hand combat on the roof. It's like he has no context for why this would be happening. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, he runs so up funny. and he's able to get on the roof just as both Esther and Trisha tumble down and they're both hanging side by side from their hands. 
And they're both yelling to Alan, like, she, I, she's really an adult woman. She scammed us. And, and you know, Esther's yelling, like, she tried to kill me. Um, She killed your actual daughter. You know, trying to, like, argue, like, oh my God. which one is safe. <laughs> And of course, Alan has no idea what's going on. And so he tries to reach for both of them and he misses Trisha's hand. That's what it looked like to me. It didn't look like he intentionally chose Esther. Right. But he sort of misses Trisha's hand. She falls to the pavement and like, what? I don't know why this is so gnarly to me. Her head hits like the um, the curb, like where the driveway runs up against the grass. And you hear, it sounds like a fucking watermelon breaking. And you oh. see like blood <sighs> spray away. Like we know she's dead. Like she, yeah. she's dead. And sobbing, Alan pulls Esther up and they look down at Trisha's body and he tur- she turns to Alan and he's holding her face, the face of his daughter, as far as he knows. Allison, when he touches her face, her fake teeth fall out, revealing her disgusting 30-year-old teeth. And Alan says in a classic line, what the fuck? <laughs> and Esther says to him, I did this to you for you so you could be together. And he's like, who the fuck are you? You're what? a monster. And in a moment of rage, Esther shoves Alan off the roof and he falls to his death right next to Trisha. And she screams, Alan! But as she surveys the scene, sort of like her veil of like placid, cold demeanor comes back on. And then as we hear the distant screams of fire engines, she goes back inside and walks calmly through the burning house to the strains of The Story of Love by Jeremy Durante. She gets her Bible. I realize as she also gets her like um, black wrist ribbons, she like takes out the the pink ones, puts on the black, black. ones, changes into her, her old outfit. Self. She's back in her groove. That being said, that implies that everything except for that one outfit she was wearing to leave would be destroyed in the fire. But hey, yeah. And she's able to leave just as the firefighters arrive. Next thing we see, she's in the police station uh, and she, Dr. Seeger and Officer Leahy are like examining her like through the window. Like, oh my God, she's been through so much. It's almost unbelievable. And, almost. you know, Dr. Leahy says, you know, I'm abducted and, an or- and now an orphan with no family to take her in. What will happen now? But Dr. Seeger says, don't worry. I reach out to an adoption agency and we will work to make sure that Esther finds a good home. After all, She's a wonderful child. Who wouldn't want to adopt her? And Esther kind of looks up and smiles at the camera. The orphan. Wow. Um, wow. So um, I just I had a couple of qu- uh, questions for you, Allison, about sure, yeah. what you thought happened. But okay, yeah. I just want to flag because I'm assuming there's some people in the chat who have also noticed this. Um, I believe we had one person uh, flag it. That this sounds an awful lot like the 2012 documentary, The Imposter. And it absolutely does. This is essentially the plot of this documentary. Oh, wow. And um, so if you've seen that, you may have been picking up on uh, sort of that uh, theme. Um, so many people ask you to see it for the accent. I hope I did you proud. Sarah. Sarah said, oh, this is ripping off the documentary, The Imposter. Absolutely. So um, the documentary came out in 2012. I had first heard of this story uh, in the New Yorker published an article called The Chameleon, written by Dave. David Gran that was published on their August 11th and 18th, 2008 um, edition. And it's this fascinating story. And honestly, I think the New Yorker article is better than the documentary because I feel oh. like it's just like incredibly well written. You get all these different perspectives. And the documentary is kind of like a whackadoo. Whereas mm. it's like, this is not funny. No. Like, it's no. not, these are not like weird characters. You know, this is it's very sad. But um, it is about a man, a French man named Frederic Bourdin. Um, he compulsively pretended to be children. So he had done this multiple times, much like um, 
uh, Esther had. And in in the documentary, it goes it recounts how he pretended to be this uh, abducted or missing child, rather a missing child in Nicholas Patrick Barclay, who had disappeared at, uh, in Texas at the age of thirteen in nineteen ninety four. So this guy successfully posed as this uh, American boy. He mm-hmm. he called himself in from a, like a like a phone booth in Spain. Right. He gets fined by the authorities. They leave him over, alone overnight in the office. So he's able to like um, find a bunch of records about himself to try to build a personality for himself. Why would they do that? I don't know. Yeah, that's bizarre. Uh, and there's only so many bizarre things like the FBI don't check things right away. Like they, why would they leave him in that office? There's also things like he has to dye his hair blonde the, like because the, the boy he's imitating is blonde. His eyes are the wrong color. And I can't remember which, but it's like his ears are either connected or disconnected. But there's something else where it's like, that's not something you just get. It just changes over time. Yes, right. And he told this very, like, wild story about, like, basically he was abducted to be, like, sex trafficked by, like, the U.S. military. All this stuff where it's like, again, you'd think there'd be some evidence of this, you know. But the family, the, the sister of the missing boy comes to Spain. And I think the sister didn't know. She's so grief-stricken. Yeah. That she's like, yes, it's him. And even though, again, he's also seven years older than the brother would have been. He goes back to San Antonio, starts living with the family, goes to school. Most, most of the family accept, accepts them, especially his mother. And she's like, nope, that's him. I absolutely believe it. So it's like, how much of that was like self-delusion? How much was like, oh, right. Were they aware of it was, you know? Um, and so I, people were like, yeah, it was weird. And also he had a French accent, but I don't know what happens to you if you leave, you know, like maybe that kind of right. thing happens, you know? However, eventually, there's this private eye who sort of clocks that things aren't right. And then finally, this FBI agent who is just like, should have been more on the ball, but eventually was like, hey, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, they, of course, eventually, I don't know if the DNA test number was just fingerprints. He eventually gets arrested. They know it's not him. Interpol confirms his actual identity. And when he's in custody, they're like, why would the family accept you so readily? He's like, oh, because um, the boy, his, his brother killed him. And the family's trying to cover that up. They know who had happened to him. And the family denies that's true. And also it's like, so then how do you believe, much like in the movie, how do you believe this person who is a serial grifter pro-child? That's a difficult thing. But also um, the brother who he's, the older brother that he was blaming it on had already died. I believe he OD'd. So it's sort of like, he's like the perfect scapegoat. Like there's no way to prove that, you know? And eventually he goes to jail. And the most fucked up part of the documentary, Allison, is at the very end, you find out that he went to jail for like seven years or something. He gets out and he got he gets married. He has kids now. He just is somebody, he's somebody's daddy. Daddy? That's how, crazy. How can you be a dad? How can you be a daddy if you want to be a little boy? I you know what I mean? You cannot be you have to assume no. the role of daddy. No. no. And yet yeah, it's like he he got out, he got married, and um, yeah, they oh they have five children. Oh five. Okay, well that's a that's too many. Boy, I um anywho, so yeah, the, if you've seen the documentary, this probably like rang a lot of bells um for you as you're watching, of course. And um Ariel uh, just tipped us six dollars and sixty-six cents, six six six, uh, to hear the accent one last time. Hello, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. I I did this for us, Daddy, for us to be together. I, I don't I don't that know. That was great. That was terrific. That was worth six dollars. Um Sarah shouted out, Alan going, what? No, I love Mark Wahlberg in The Happening. He does have a Mark Wahlberg-esque um, relaxed aura 
Oh, and Alexa says he's a saddie. Saddie. So here's some questions. Allison, what do you think Trisha's job was? <laughs> Family money. Okay, great. And me, um, and like and like like those like rich lady jobs where it's like she doesn't have a job but she's on a lot of boards. Yes. Yeah, that, like, that's why I thought it had me failing money just like the sheer amount of like well you don't know what she does. She goes to galas. That's a rich person thing. Yeah, she's just rich. Her job uh, is rich. Allison, what how did Esther get from her house to Inspector Dunnan's place? This is 2007, so remember, she did not have a phone, and I don't think um, Uber or Lyft were invented. And even if they had, she wouldn't have been able to access them if she didn't have a phone. How was she able to get there? I gotta guess she walked. Darian's not that big. Okay, all right, I'll allow it. And then we already talked about the parrot stuff. Yes. Do you think that police officers often process fingerprints at home? I feel like you gotta go into the no. office for that. I, I have a feel, like, something tells me that, like, you're not even allowed to have that stuff outside of your office. Yeah. Like, um, I don't think that that would ever be happening at home. Yeah. Oh, Mel, Mel, Mel suggests that Trisha's job is professional, bitch. Yeah. That's on her business cards. Um, I would love business cards that say professional, bitch. <laughs> and then finally, and I think this really ties into, like, what was going on in the, in the home. And I understand, again, it's a horrific topic. So it's like, how do you talk about it? Right. Why was Esther going to the therapist before her disappearance? Oh, Right. Like, Why wasn't Gunner going to the therapist? But also, like, they they never just, like, oh, you remember you used to go to her. Why was she going to a Why child therapist? She... Yeah. Like, what was I... going on that, like, she yeah. already had a relationship with this therapist before she got abducted? I've got it. It must be the abuse. And that's so sad. It's like, they did, like she had to go to therapy for right. it, as well as her brother, who was abusive. Ugh. Right. Ugh. Um, Ugh. Sorry to Ugh. end it on a downer. downer. Um, Daddy... Um, uh, we'll find it. We'll find a natural, uh, yeah. better place to go there. But um, what are some fatal mistakes, Allison? You think that some people may have made in the film? Fatal mistakes. I mean, there are a lot. Julia Stiles, like, why didn't you just report that death? Um. Yeah. Or at least like. Tell your husband, like, he's like waiting for the day that, like, your child is returned because he thinks she's just gone. Like, yeah, how would you be able to live your life knowing how- that this hideous secret that you yeah. are, your spouse can't, can't know? I, I feel like that would drive you insane. Um, oh, Jesse said, please explain the fake teeth. Oh, sure. If you haven't seen Orphan, um, Esther wears what I believe in the uh, toddlers and tiaras community is referred to as a flipper. So it's like a row of fake teeth. Like they're just the front teeth that fits over um, your actual teeth. So they're not like a full set of dentures. She has teeth under there, but it's, it's a mobile piece of, um, I don't know what it's made out of fake teeth. And unfortunately, if you're doing a lot of, say, brawling with your mother on the roof of a burning house, sure. they do, they cannot, and your mouth is full of blood, sometimes they are, they yes. can slip off. So when they slip off, he sees, like, honestly, other there's teeth. a lot of other stuff that should have tipped him off aside from the teeth, but the teeth was the easiest visual at the end of the movie moment to reveal, oh, this person is not who I thought I was. This person has fake yes. teeth. Um, we have some good fatal mistakes here. Melissa, not DNA testing her right away. Yeah, that like absolutely should be a thing. Um, Rach says, fatal mistake, buying a creepy patient 
buying creepy patient at your job in Victorian wardrobe. Dimitri, yeah. he made the he had the Dimitri. biggest mistake of, mistake of all, falling in love. I don't know. Yeah. Rach said, drinking a smoothie your kid made. Correct. Um, and also saying boys will be boys when your son is a violent piece of shit. Um, and Meg also suggests, Meg says that her, she was probably going to therapy because her brother was beating the shit, the hell out of her. But yeah. it's like, Dr. C- Sager, that's on you then. If this... Well, look, Dr. Seeger wasn't a good doctor. You know what? And you're right. You're absolutely right. She had a fucking bird. Damn. Also, she had like a macaw and then when something happened to it, she was like, I need another bird. I don't know. Like, what could have happened? Maybe that maybe it escaped. I think the greatest mistake is underestimating Esther. I think they, they made a huge mistake. Yeah. This person came in and you thought you could control them. This person is insane. They're yeah. loco. Like this person, this is a, or loco, sorry. She, she is not operating in the same matrix you are. So they didn't yeah. think you can control this person, especially no. after admitting that you murder, that, about, that you know about a murder and then murdered the detective. I, I just, you can never underestimate someone who is, you already know is like incredibly um, out of control. Just not, not operating in a, in a normal human system. Yes, correct. Um, the greatest mistake of all. Honestly, I hope they do another prequel that's set before this. We find out about the first family. Yeah. Why not? Um, I do like the idea of like a movie franchise that just keeps going um, back in time instead of... Yeah, that's really fun. Um, Sarah says that therapist is too invested in bird care to spot the signs of abuse. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Uh, Belle, I agree. I wish the parrot had been more involved. Bill, I, I don't know how it could have been more involved. I mean, I agree. I think that'd be super fun. Like, the parent repeats back, like, um, yeah. a, a piece of evidence. But um, I do appreciate it. was a largely parent-related um, first act, I feel I like. I would have never guessed there would be so much parrot stuff in the orphan prequel. Me either. <gasps> um, well, guys, uh, the only question left is, Allison, where would you put orphan colon first kill on the spooky scale? A spooky scale. I feel like this is a five. Oh, okay. Because it's silly. Yes. There is a lot of silliness and like, but that's a really fun twist. Um, but also like some of the stuff is vi- like hearing her head explode, basically. That's a tough one. Seeing the rat in the sm- like the rat in the smoothie reveal is like really grotesque. Um, and it seems like a lot of these deaths were really brutal too. So um, plus blacklight. Yeah, I, I I'm just going back through some of the comments. Uh Jesse said Esther's only slightly smaller than Christian Chenoweth. Yeah. I, and also it's like again, people are short. There's a there's a yeah. variety of human size. Like for people to be so shocked is is very right. wild. Um I I don't know. It's hard because, like, I had a... It just says, he'll never financially recover from being a blacklight artist. <laughs> um, also, Sarah said, in response to there being another prequel with the first family, uh, wait until the actress is 57. <laughs> no. That's so funny. I so love funny. that. Yeah, she's playing an eight-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I really enjoyed this, but was I ever at any point scared? No, but I do appreciate the twist and how fucked up it was. I'm going to give this... A three. Okay. And that again, that's solely based on how scary we thought it was, not whether I enjoyed it. I saw it three times. I watched it again. I thought it was fun. If anything, it could have been dumber. Again, more more parrots. More parrots. More, more Julia Styles more having lights. insane one-liners. Yeah. 
filthier black lights. Um, more mic. We could have had more mic in there, you know. I've always used some more mic. So yeah, we need the mic edit uh, of the film to be released. And um, I'm sure a lot of you are here because you are part of the Patreon. But if you are not yet um, in the Patreon, on the Patreon, subscribe. Like, I still don't know what prepositions we're supposed to use to discuss Patreon. But um, two bonus episodes a month for $10, uh, ad-free early episodes for 5 And, you know, we're doing a bunch of live shows and live show tickets are included in the $20 tier. So if you enjoyed this, perhaps you would also like to join us on Patreon. Yeah, please do. I mean, we're slowly learning how to use it. So thank you for bearing with us for yes. all your wonderful messages. And one day we'll know how to do or say anything. But yeah. not it won't be today. today. Not the day. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Yes. And, and, um, and please tell your daddies. Um, tell all the daddies. All until, the daddies out there. And I'm going to try to say it as Esther, if you could please oh. keep it spooky. Yeah, we nailed it. You got it. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.